Today's episode is brought to you by Reef Builders, winner of Best of Hows, five years running. Reef Builders is a Tempe, Arizona-based, full-service design-build construction company. What's a design-build company? It means you deal with one company for everything. Reef Builders is able to take your vision and bring it to life by drawing your plans, producing photorealistic, high-resolution 3D renderings of your kitchen, baths, and more, helping you design and pick your finishes, and finally, executing that vision. With their years of building experience and a superior client experience, using tools such as online project management software through their client portal that allows you to see your renovation in real time. Whether you're in town, on vacation, or living in another state, you have access to job progress photos, your build schedule, financials, and much more anywhere in the world. So if you're looking for a complete bath or kitchen renovation, a complete home renovation, a custom home designed and built, or a boutique commercial project built out, Reef Builders can deliver it. Reef Builders. Your vision, their experience delivered. So, everybody, welcome back to Make the Difference. Um, due to some feedback of the people that listen, uh, I've heard multiple times that. I don't talk enough about myself. Um, that's because the podcast is not about me. Um, so it's about everybody else that comes on here. So um, to kind of help with that, I'm going to tell my story today. Um, you're not going to listen to me because um, you're never going to get anything out of me. I'm very good at answering questions and not answering questions at the same time. So uh, I have Chris Stewart back. So you guys know him from episode three and the tactical hour. Um, so I'm going to tell my story and he's going to prod me to make sure that I tell enough of my story. Uh, cause in hundred percent honesty, I attempted this by myself. Um, I don't know, a couple weeks ago or something like that. And I got about 15 minutes into it and just straight up gave up. I'm like, this is just, isn't going to work. I'm going to need someone to help me out with this. So, uh, I think Chris was a little too eager to volunteer to help me with this. So I'm not, I'm not overly excited to see what he, he's, he's going to do, uh, uh, Inherently, I, I'm not a guy that likes to share a lot about uh, myself. Um, those people that are in my bubble or my inner circle uh, know me, uh, know me well. But uh, outside that circle, people have um, really don't know who I am. So today is going to be an attempt to personalize this podcast and let you guys know a little bit more of uh, who I am. So that's it. Chris, nice. You, well, I'm, I'm you glad do. you're going to do it this way because you just sitting down and talking and telling about your life, that doesn't fit anything that's gone on in in this room, if you ask me so far. So I think this is going to be a really important deal. And I, and I am one of the ones that gave you the feedback is that we absolutely need to hear from you and not only who you are, what you've done, but why, why this, this whole podcast is make the difference specifically is important. And, uh, and it's been a, uh, it's been a valuable thing for me. And, and, and I think it's becoming a valuable thing for, for other people. And that's, uh, that's a very cool thing to say, right? And so, yeah, yeah. And actually, it makes me a little bit um, uneasy. <laughs> uh, you and me both. Okay, you and me both, my friend. So we'll we'll be uneasy together. <laughs> so um, yeah, so I I think it's important for everybody who listens to this to kind of uh, find out a little bit about you, what you do. You have uh, you have a lot of different things going on in your life, and uh, and there's been. Uh, even from just what I know about you and about and who you are, there's a lot of things that actually developed you into the person that you are. 
So I think it's uh, I think it's a really good baseline for this whole for this whole podcast and the understanding of you um, that we actually talk about that and uh, and I told you we're going to do a little reverse engineering here from <laughs> here's where you are today. So um, how'd you get here uh, and what did you what did you do what happened and so uh, I think it's probably appropriate to start with your overall background, because that's what we've been asking everybody who comes yep. in here, and specifically on the tactical hours. Who you are, who are you, where did you start from, and uh, I think a little bit about who you were as growing up will be a, will be a good thing to talk about. Yeah, unfortunately, I, uh, I agree with you, <laughs> 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 which sucks. So, Clinton Gower, I completely understand how you felt when you were in here with me, so I'm, yeah, I'm you, going and you showed things. him no mercy. Oh, yeah, so, for yeah. sure. Yeah, so, so Clinton, now it's my turn, buddy. I guess what comes around goes around. So, I am born and raised from, uh, I was born in Phoenix, Arizona. I come from a mother who was fresh off the boat Filipino. Um, my father and her met. When he was in the Navy, um, he was stationed in the Philippines, so was uh, diving in Subic Bay. Um, he was a hard hat diver. If any of you guys have seen uh, Men of Honor, that was my okay. dad. Brass helmet, all okay. that kind of stuff. So he has some great stories. I'm going to have him him on here one day to talk about his story because he has an interesting story. Um, what year is that? That had to be 65, 1965, because when he got out... It was in 1968 because that's when he bought the 1968 Chevelle, which he had for 30 years. So, so yeah, somewhere in the early 60s, um, my dad actually volunteered to go to Vietnam, and they told him that he was needed where where he was at because um, uh, he was training uh, Marine Recon and other guys uh, to dive and stuff like that. So I kept him there. But anyway, that's what they met. Um, my mom has the equivalent of an eighth grade education from the Philippines, so um, she wasn't well educated. Uh, my dad went to uh, South Mountain High School when they were back when they were the Rebels and not the Jaguars. Um, he was an athlete as well, but they met. Um, had He got my mom pregnant with my first sister, uh, Marvick, that didn't make it. She was born. Um, it's hard to get some of the information out of my mom. We've asked her several times about what happened and um, in her English and what she understands about things. She just basically said she had a hole in her heart. I think... Interesting. Yeah, I think back then uh, there were, the technology probably wasn't there to help a kid. Yeah, absolutely. And, and yep. so, so Marvick ended up dying. So I'd have been my older sister. Um, there's a crazy story behind that about my dad having to stay with 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 um, with my dead sister in a room because in the Philippines it's 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 very similar to the fire service where you never leave the body alone. Wow, and so so that's before they ever get here. Yeah, yeah. Wow. Okay. So so he he sat in a room with with his dead daughter. Um, for wow. over 24 hours, um, when the funeral happened, they he carried the dead my dead sister through the streets of uh, Manila to the burial place, like intense. My dad's like 21 years old, so can you imagine? Well, like, I, no, I can't actually stuff? imagine that having kids. Yeah. I cannot imagine. No, that. At, at all. So, um, so like any good uh, uh, man, he he kept practicing. So they uh, he knocked my mom up again. So with my with my older sister. Uh, he had come back, and by that time, um, my, my mom was pregnant, so my grandparents obviously uh, uh, helped uh, my dad get my mom over here. So when she got over here, my sister was born here. And then I have an older brother, so that's my sister, Andrea. Um, she calls me um, the sister she never had. So we, <laughs> we talk a lot. Um, we share a lot. Um, so um, so that's she's 48 or 49. No, she's 50. Sorry, take that back. And then my brother, um, isn't that poor bastard? He has he's Fred the Fourth, 
Yeah. And wow. his, his son's Fred the Fifth. I'm like, God damn. <laughs> he kept it going. Oh, yeah. Yeah. He's <laughs> like, you got to pass that misery on to somebody else. So, so he's Fred the Fourth. Um, he is a uh, very talented automotive painter, but I would go as far as to call him an artist. My brother, uh, you, he sees a picture, he can paint it. Wow. Um, see Here something? in town? Mm-hmm. He, he can draw it. Um, he, he actually learned those skills from my dad and my grandfather that were uh, that were automotive painters. And that's where I learned how to paint. Um, so... And then I'm the baby. So I came in 1975. Um, they say I, I was a mistake. Um, I was supposed to be a girl, I guess. So, hmm. yeah, small penis for a long time. So I, I guess they they, <laughs> they, they they thought I was going to be a girl. And the worst name ever, um, I could ask my mom, like, well, what were you guys going to name me? I was, I was going to be Mandy Suzanne Mion. Wow. <laughs> so. um, uh, what's his name? Uh the singer. Oh, uh, yeah. Yeah, he wrote a song about yeah, it. He yeah, he did. Yeah. Barry Manilow. Yeah. So, so I, I was born into in, into that family, um, St. Joe's. I was born in St. Joe's. We lived in South Phoenix. St. Chris was born in St. Joe's, too. Moved into Tempe. Um, my dad and all his brothers and sisters uh, wanted to get out of South Phoenix. It wasn't the greatest place. So uh, moved, moved the family uh, into Tempe. And at age about... Uh, my sisters, I we have, we have a... We have conflicting stories on this. I say six. She says four. So my parents got divorced when I was four or five, let's say. I'm going to split the difference, call it five. Mm -hmm. I still remember that day. Um, We were outside. I don't know if you guys maybe did this, but when you're poor and you don't have a slip and slide, you put a uh, green hose at the uh, front of your garage and the concrete, it's like they slide down that thing. Yeah, it makes sense. Yeah, so we were doing that and... uh, and they they pulled me into um, their bedroom, and I still I can to this day I can I can describe the lighting, where I was sitting, where my dad was sitting, where my mom was sitting, and um, and they said, you know, where your dad and I are getting a divorce. I don't remember the exact words, but said that you know that we're splitting up and this that, and the other. And the only question I had was, well, do I still get to see dad? And he's like, yeah, you, you you see him every day or however much you want to see him. I'm like, okay, cool. Can I go back outside now? <laughs> so, right, right, yeah. So that that was kind of the extent of what it affected me. Five year old uh, priorities. Yeah, I'm like shit, dude. We got shit to slide to. Right. So I went out there, and uh, so my parents split at that time. Uh, they always played. A, my father was always. I don't know if they planned it. I, I I can't believe that they would, but they always lived within like a two mile distance of each other. Hmm. So I would always ride my bike over to my dad's, or or vice versa. Um, There's at, none of the super structured divorce things that happen today. Where I think know, there was formally. Yeah, okay. I mean there was. It was like the formal thing was like every other every Wednesday and every other weekend and like half the summer shit. So Right. Like that. So, so there's that stuff, but they never followed it. Um, you know, they, they, uh, they went through their typical, you know, arguments about like some stuff or whatnot as, 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 as we went through the divorce stuff. There was, I don't know if they do it now, but I remember having to go to a counselor with, uh, with my brother and sister and they just talked to us. Hmm. Uh, like during during the whole divorce like process or whatever, and I, it's funny because I remember the funniest things about some of that stuff. I remember that he took us to the cafeteria wherever it was in downtown Phoenix. They they had the shittiest milkshakes ever, and then we went and threw airplanes off the top of a building. So wow, not, not that bad. Yeah. So uh, <laughs> the deal was too was the judge said I had to go with my mom because I was the baby, and then my brother and sister um, got to pick. So, um, my, my sister picked uh, my mom and my brother picked my dad. So eventually my sister ended up going over to, um, with, with, with my dad, like, like in her teen years, they, my mom and her didn't have the greatest relationship when they were in teen years. The, right. if any, anyone that has any Asian family, the relationship between an Asian mother and, and daughter, it's rough. 
like their Asian moms are super fucking blunt. Like I remember, um, my mom telling my ex-wife at, at, at one time, she's like, you know, she would, she would say stuff like, you look skinny, eat, but don't eat too much because you'll get fat. Like, <laughs> so, so I can't, I can only imagine being, being a daughter, right. you know, to, you know, to an Asian mom. So, um, the childhood was good. My mom, um, I was forced to grow up quickly. Um, I remember my mom, one thing about our family is we can fucking work. Like we are not lazy people. We work. We, we'll, we'll do whatever we have to do to kind of uh, uh, get the job done. So my mom worked in the circuit board industry for a very long time. So they always worked weird shifts, like mm-hmm. first shift, second shift, third shift. And I remember when I was six or seven years old, my mom working second second shift. So I, I, I would be up while she's getting ready to go to work. And uh, you know, back then I was I was I always had a had the ability to know or, 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 or the awareness when to protect. So when, when, when we were doing all this Yourself stuff, or others? Others, okay. others. Um, my, my mom never said any, any, anything to me, but inherently at six or seven years old, I'm like, I knew it wasn't okay that my mom was going to leave me at midnight and go to work for eight hours. And if my dad ever knew that, I knew she, he would take me right from, you know, right from my mom. Right, right. Um, and I always just kind of figured, you know, that's that's between my mom and I, and my dad didn't know, and it didn't affect my relationship with my dad. Um, so she would leave, um, kiss me goodnight, you know, put you know put me to bed when she left. And then it was my job at seven years old to get my ass out of bed, get dressed, eat breakfast, lunch was made or whatever, get on my bike and go to school at like seven years old. So, um, that's, that's why I was forced to grow up. And then she worked third shift too, as well. So, so third shift was, was, um, I'm sorry, second shift was like two to two to midnight. So third shift was, was like midnight to seven. Mm-hmm, so mm-hmm. same, same deal. Like I would come home from school, um, when she worked second shift as my job, do my own homework, not stay out too late. My mom always had dinner, you know, waiting for me. And again, like I never told anybody. Like, like never, like never told anybody any of that stuff. Um, some of my friends knew, but I never told any of my friends' family or parents or anything like that. And I said, shit, I don't think I told my dad until, man, I must have been in my 20s when, when, when like, my dad kind of knew that stuff. Um, so, yeah, so he, so he never knew. And I was the kid um, growing up um, that would be on the phone with the telephone company. Because my mom's accent was so hard, like even in the store, we'd be talking to someone. Someone would ask me to translate. And I'm like speaking English, like, but yeah, but I'll translate right, for fucking right. <laughs> fresh off the boat uh, English or or whatnot. So I filled a lot of those roles that that that, uh, that an adult would fill at a very young age, like from seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve, thirteen years old. I would help my mom fill out job applications uh, because 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 she she like some of the stuff she just she could do her name and, and date and stuff like that but some of the stuff she just couldn't articulate and I was I was I was forced into those those uh, those roles very very soon yeah so she's I, doing it in a new country in a new language yeah and yeah that's. yeah so I, I gotta say I don't out of the large percentage of people uh, in our society right now that are are busting their ass just to uh, make it and probably a lot of times just barely making it I gotta believe that uh, that situation isn't, it, it is not talked about probably enough, but I don't think it's super uncommon. I don't think it is either. Yeah. yeah. I don't think it is either. And, and the one thing with me is in, and where I was lucky, like, like you guys listened to uh, the episode with Ken Brookings, like I had love in my family. Like my, my mom loved me. Great mother. I, I tell people like all the time, like 
um, my mom was the greatest nurturing mother I could ever ask for. Right. I mean, she great nurture. And like, what do you need as a, like, as a kid you need, that's what you need. As an adult, my mom isn't, isn't, I, I, I don't go to my mother for, for life lessons or, mm-hmm. Hey, let me, you know, can you help me through this problem or stuff like that? But as a kid, I had everything I needed. I, I had love, I had food, I had clothing, I had shelter, I had, I had everything at the bottom of Maslow's hierarchy, which which like made me happy. And when you're a kid, you really don't fucking know that you're poor. Like you're like, you're right. yeah, I mean, right. if there's food there and stuff like that and, and even the weird shit, cause, cause she would get laid off. Um, because a lot of that stuff was government contract work. Mm-hmm. So, you know, she worked for ITT courier and stuff like that. Like she'd get laid off and we bounced on and off of welfare a couple of times. Not, we weren't on it very long, but I remember going down to, uh, one of the food closets I remember was in Guadalupe and I remember going down there and getting boxes of food out of there. And I remember one time, um, when, when, when the car broke down, we didn't have enough, um, enough money to fix the car. So she rode the bus to work. And I remember, you know, walking, um, with our fucking groceries from whatever it was bashes at the time in Tempe, you know, to our, you know, to our, um, apartment complex. And those are things that I knew. And that was more, you know, when I was probably junior high or, or, or high school time, and those are the kinds of moments for me that told me, I'm like, I'm not going to be fucking poor. This is, this is not going to fucking like this ends here, like with with like my generation of of of, of being raised, because um, even when um, eventually I ended up moving in with my dad, like halfway through uh, my senior year, because she got laid off and I think it was everything was just fucking drained. Like right, she, right. she had to, she had to move in with a friend in a room um, I had to move in with my dad. It was like halfway through the year. And I got to tell you, like, that was like, that was probably one of the most more, more impactful times for me too. Cause I remember, um, she got locked out of, out of, out of the house that she was renting, not because it was, you know, they're trying to lock her out, but they just fucked up and locked and she didn't have a key. So I remember her telling me like, honey, like I had to sit outside in my car and, and I didn't have anything to eat all day. So I was eating oranges off the thing. And I'm like, Never again. Like, so like, I think by the time I got out of, out of college, um, or when I came back from college and I don't get there yet, I, I, uh, I, uh, started taking care of, care of my mom. Like, like I'll stick to those important things of, I remember too, when I was 16, um, the deal was with, with, with my dad, um, and my dad never knew how much I went. I didn't go without, but how much ec- excess we didn't have like there right. was never anything extra I, I remember my mom floating checks all the fucking time like, right. like we knew it was payday was friday but and, and like she's writing a check for groceries on wednesday and we know that fucker's not not it's not good but if we get on friday you know when it when it clears um and like i, I remember um i was always really this big surprise fucking asian guy so always really good in math um really good in math and science and i remember i was i was I was in an advanced math class. I, I forget what grade I was in, but I needed a TI-82 calculator. You probably remember mm-hmm. what those are or whatever, mm-hmm. and I couldn't afford it. Um, so, you know, we couldn't afford it. I'm like, how the fuck am I going to do stuff? And I, I was, again, I was always very protective of, 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 of my mom, so I never wanted to, to ever give anything um, to my dad that, that would make him think that, you know, hey, maybe it's, it's, it's like time, you know, for him to come this way. So I remember, I'm like, fuck, dude, like, what, like, I got nowhere else to go. So I remember riding my bike over and, and sitting my dad down and, uh, and I think he was in the gym cause that's when, when all the meatheads were, were, 
were training out all the Thorbeckers were right yeah. tra- tra- training out of the garage gym at that time. And uh, I just told them, I'm like, hey, I, Dad, I need a calculator for school or whatever, and we don't have the money. And I thought it was going to be this big, you know, it's all worked up in my head to be this like thing. Sure. And it's, he's like, yeah, how much do you need? I'm like, fuck, that was easy. And like, you know, I think back then they're 80 bucks or something. So, uh, like I said, we just we just didn't have a lot. Um, I remember when I was 16. The deal was with my dad is if you save a year's worth of insurance for your car, because you, you, they always made you get your own insurance, mm-hmm. um, he would buy you a car, and then he would paint it. So I'm like, well, that's a fucking good deal, or, or, or like whatever. So, um, Hell yeah, especially when you're 16. Oh, well, yeah, absolutely. Mm-hmm. That's freedom. And, yeah. and especially for a poor kid that's stuck, um, you know, doing, doing you're, you're, you're stuck. Like, like, you can actually get in a fucking car, you can have a job, you can go make money, stuff like that. Um, uh, it, it was... It was a big deal, but I remember our fucking car broke down, and I couldn't go take the driving test with 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 with, um, with her. And I remember at that time, that was that was probably the biggest fucking time where I was so I was so sick of fucking not having money. I was so fucking mad. And I was the biggest dick to her. Um, I was like, God damn it! I'm so sick of being fucking poor. This fucking car, like I was I was a complete fucking asshole. Um, we, we've actually talked about that s- several times. Um, but those are those those are the times that have motivated me to to and, and like those are the things that's, that that stick with me that actually have pushed me through a lot of shit. Um, so so let me ask how. How long or how long ago or at what point do you feel like you were able to start to look at the measure, the positivity that that actually built in you? Or because there's still there's some positive role model stuff in there actually, for her perseverance, her willingness to work, yep. that type of stuff. So when do you think uh, you start recognizing that? I, I honestly, I, I I think I started recognizing it in 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 middle school because I, I I knew my dad always said. You, you either have to learn a trade or go to school. Like, cause if you don't, you're going to be fucking poor. Like you, like you're never going to be able to have anything for your family. You're never really going to be able to support a family. So he told me that young. So in, in junior high and in, in my head, cause I always played sports, played football, wrestled, stuff like that was always like, if I'm getting a school, it's going to be on some type of athletic scholarship on, on something. Uh, it's not going to be probably an academic one. I didn't really realize that I had, um, uh, a knack for school for a long time. Um, so I, I just, I kind of just took that out of the picture. It's like, all right, so I'm going to focus on that stuff. So I used, um, all, all of that stuff and everything that I did. And I, I still talk one of my buddies I talk about, we used to wrestle Chaparral and Soro high school every year, every mm-hmm, year. And, mm-hmm. and I wrestled varsity like as a freshman. And I, every time we wrestled those guys, I had a little bit fucking extra for those guys. And I would prolong that torture for as long as possible before I ended that match, whether by teching somebody or pinning them. But I, like, I, I'm going to go up there. I'm going to fuck those rich kids up. I was I had a little bit of that pent up stuff for them. So so all that stuff motivated me at a very, very, very young age. I, I remember even making in high school. Um, uh, I, I, re- I was recruited a little bit, like not a shit ton because I wasn't a, a fantastic athlete. I mean, I, I was good, but I wasn't – I felt like I always needed to do more um, to make sure that, that my name got out there. So I remember, like, taking the time. Uh, one of my buddies made a highlight tape. I'm like, that's a great idea. Mm-hmm. So I did that, and I sent that out to multiple colleges, and that helped, and, and, and all that stuff came 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 full circle. And I even, even – I remember um, the FAFSA, if anyone that has ever filled one of those out, that's your financial aid packet that, that you fill out in high school to try and get some assistance. And I, I remember going on, uh, going in, 
going into the counselor going, hey, like I need to fill out my FAFSA. And they're like, well, where are your parents at? I'm like, just, dude, let's not fucking go there. So like, right. just get out. And like, I remember like I was the one initiating it and, and like mom sign here. Like, like, mm-hmm. I, like I need you to sign this. So what's that, honey? It's like, like, like it's for college. Oh shit. All right, cool. I'll sign that or whatever. And I need your taxes. And then just stuff like that. So I've always been, I don't, I don't know where it comes from out of necessity or, or survival or like the, the the willingness to be better i've always been been that way at a young age is like whatever i have to do to get to that next step i'm willing to do that so um back to the car story though so this will kind of feed that stuff too so my sister got a fucking super cool car i'm like she got a chevelle she got like a 70 chevelle i'm like oh fuck, dude when i turned painted and everything everything dude like super nice and then she wrecked the fucker yeah, like mm-hmm. quickly, quickly too. Like my dad told her, "Don't go left onto Elliot. Don't go left on the Elliot. Just make a bunch of rights to get to Marcos." And 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 uh, and uh, and she didn't listen, so she made a left fucking gut in a wreck or whatever. So she ended up getting a Maverick or second car. <laughs> I don't know if you guys know what a Maverick. Oh is. yeah, oh, I know what a Maverick God, is. <laughs> so it ain't a Chevelle. No, it's not even close <laughs> to a Chevelle. <laughs> so my brother does the same deal, and he gets a Dodge Dart Swinger, Dodge Swinger. It's fucking another stupid car. Wow. So yeah, so that got painted, and my, I, I tell everybody all the time, like my brother got all the Asian because he's like, you want to talk about Fast and the Furious? Like he's had every fucking car lowered, neon lights, like you name it, like you know, a, a box that fills up the back seat for speakers, like he got all that. So my dad told me he's like, hey, I wanna, um, I I wanna get you a bug. And I'm like. I do not want a bug. I'm like, I will take anything else but a bug, Dad. You know, beggars can't be choosers. But I'm like, I don't want a bug. He's like, oh, it'd be cool. You know, we'll we'll uh, we'll chop the top, we'll slant the glass, we'll lower the thing, we'll do all that. So I'm just like, I don't want a bug, Dad. Like, I, I, I don't want one. He's like, well, that's like that's what you're gonna get. So I worked. Um, I, I was I didn't work during the school year, but I but I worked like uh, right out of wrestling season, stepped right into freestyle season. And then worked. Um, then I, my first job actually I was thirteen. I was a junior camp counselor for the Boys and Girls Clubs of America. So I worked from age thirteen on. Um, so I uh, close I, to home. I'm assuming here in Tempe, right? No, no. Uh, no. So another impactful moment for me. I had to ride the bus to Osborne and and, uh, and uh, Scottsdale Road. Oh, really? But I was a Boys and Girls Club kid in Tempe. In, in, okay. in the summers, they had a summer day camp, and that's where I went. My kids have grown up in the Boys and Girls Club oh, of Greater Scottsdale. I loved it. Yep. You're looking at a foosball multiple time <laughs> camp camp champion. Ping pong. Oh yeah. All yeah. Shit. Uh-huh. My brother and I were doubles champions in foosball at the Boys and Girls Club. <laughs> so great place. Like structure yeah, for well, us. We, oh, yeah. we love it and like and if and energy fuck dude like i need you know you guys have known me long enough to know that you i need to put my energy somewhere and as a kid i'm like yeah just crazy like like all like all the time but um but yeah that was my first job and i had to ride a bus to osborne and and scott's road because it was the south scottsdale branch and i don't know i nothing against these people i remember getting on that bus the first day going Mm-mm, this is i'm not gonna do this when i'm an adult like I'm not gonna ride a bus to work. Like it was like nothing against those people, but I just I just remember that first day going. This is not. I think I was so like anything that that would that would make me feel like I was a poor kid. Mm-hmm. I didn't want to do ever. Like and and, and like and, and like those are those moments because when you're when you're I think from sixth grade all the way to when my mom to when I had to move with my dad. I shared a bed with my mom in sixth grade because mm-hmm. we lived in a one-bedroom apartment. And then I think by the time I got to eighth grade, I was like, 
I fucking mom, can I have, can I get my own bed? And so we so we got a mattress for me, and I and I, I don't think that's I'm gonna guess culturally that that's not weird though from where not she's from. Yeah, no, yeah. yeah, everybody crams in the same house right, and stuff yeah. like that. But it was weird for me. Oh yeah, exactly. Like, all my friends are getting like, older. Yeah, well, yeah, all my friends have rooms and shit. And I'm like, right. I'm just fucking still sleeping with my mom. Like, what's going on? Like, <laughs> so, but I pulled that mattress out of um, out of the closet every night. And I stuffed it in there every morning. And I can I can picture the closet as we sit here. I can picture the mattress. I can picture the furniture that was in that living room and that TV. And uh, uh, that's how you know you have good fucking friends. Because because when I was in high school, my mom, one thing my mom has always been awesome at is cooking. So she can cook Mexican food, Filipino food, all that stuff. So um, we used to rotate houses in high school. Like go crash at like Chris's house and go mac all your mom's food. And I always right. liked going to all my white friends' um, houses because I never got. They had like casseroles and shit. I didn't even know what the fuck yeah, casseroles were. Uh-huh. I'm like, what? What the <laughs> fuck is these cornflakes on this fucking <laughs> potato filled casserole and like processed foods? Like I'm like cheese whiz. What the fuck is this thing, dude? Right. Yeah. yeah we didn't. Have, we never had that shit in my house. I had rice on like on the stove every day. I don't give a shit what my mom made. There's fucking rice. Yeah. If like she made spaghetti, it's fucking rice. Staple. Oh yeah, <laughs> it's a staple. Always like yep. every day. So we used to do that. But all my buddies always wanted to come to my house. Like, like let's go back to your house, dude. And, like yeah. they always wanted my mom's food. But and they didn't. They never judged me because there was nothing processed. It was good shit. Yeah, That's yeah, it. for sure. Yeah, and and they didn't give a shit. Um, where where. Where I came from, I think a lot of that has to do with I was I, in athletics. I was good, so that's how that's how I gained acceptance in in in, in junior high and high school and stuff like that. Like I'd knock your teeth out on the football field, or you couldn't beat me on the fucking wrestling mat. Um, so that's where you know I got a lot of my acceptance from. Uh, no matter how much money I had, and then once I got a car, um, stuff like that, and and uh, you know that like that kind of changed. But back to the car thing because I, I skipped over that. Um, uh, my brother was dating a girl, and I don't know if she was a crackhead or what her deal was, but she was she didn't seem altogether right. And I was only sixteen or something, so I just knew she wasn't right. Well, her fucking her grandma died, and she had a nineteen seventy nine Firebird. They kind of look like a Camaro. It's it's like a it's like it, it kind of like, they, they kind of like uh, uh, an eighties. Camaro, but anyway, I talked her down. <laughs> Fuck, this is so funny to even think about this. To six hundred bucks for this. Wow. Thing. Yeah. So she had to be a crackhead. Like she had to be wow. a crackhead. So I gave her six. Yeah. So I gave her. She six, ain't a financial advisor. No, no. Yeah. De- <laughs> definitely not a negotiator. <laughs> so I remember giving her six hundred bucks. Gave me the title, and then I drove over to my dad's, and he's like, "What's that?" I'm like, "That's my car." And he was fucking mad. I could tell he's fucking mad. Really? Almost hurt. I think. I I think more hurt than mad. Because he said he goes, this was this before you got the uh, got a bug. Oh yeah, yeah. Cause oh, I told okay. I, cause, cause I didn't want a bug. So because I, I didn't, I turned sixteen. I couldn't get. We couldn't get my driver's license. And my mom wanted to do it. So right. I was like sixteen in three months or something. Um, you know, before I got that car, and um, he's like, I supposed to buy your car. I'm like, I didn't want a bug, dude. Like I didn't want a bug. Like not at all. And he's like, well, at least let me paint it. And this is how I've always known. I've been called an old soul by not by me but from others like that's how I kind of knew my thinking was a little bit further down the pipe than like like than my peers I go don't paint it I'm like I'm gonna fucking hit something I'm like after I figure out how to drive this thing and, and hit something um then paint it and he just looked at me like who in the fuck are you like <laughs> like like you like, like you're educating me on on what stupid shit you're gonna do like like in this thing so yeah, so, so that's how the, how the first car game. And little did he know, and little did my mom know. I was always pretty rambunctious, um, and I just always had a lot of energy. I, I when when we lived in another apartment uh, before uh, that other one, I used to sneak her fucking car out at night. 
because she had to be up early to go to work. Yeah. I, and it was, a, and that I taught myself how to drive stick on a Subaru. So I'd take that car and I'd push it out of the fucking parking spot, and then I'd push it down the road. I'd get in that car and I would I would drive from from Guadalupe from rural to McClintock and Guadalupe and the canal, and never come out of that 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 complex ever like that that neighborhood ever and and that's how i i i taught myself how to drive stick she never knew i push it back in there she know now no well i think i told her now but yeah but okay. she never knew like because i wouldn't drive it for longer than probably 20 minutes to, to where the gas gauge wouldn't go like very far um yeah so i've always been into cars um and and that's where maybe maybe it started because I started driving cars. Fucking, that's, fucking, I, that's I, awesome. I might have been twelve when when I started doing that. So that gets me. Let's see, into high school, lived there, played sports. Um, I was through that whole time. I was always trying to figure out a way to get to college. Um, whether I, I remember writing a letter to John McCain to try and get into the. Uh, to the Air Force Academy. Uh-huh. Uh, one of my friends, um, it was a girl, uh, her dad um, uh, was personal friends with Fisher DeBerry, so, um, who was coaching the Air Force at, at the time in football, and you know, he offered to put me in contact with him. Um, but what happened was I really wanted to wrestle in college. Um, I, I loved, I, I've loved wrestling for a long time. I wasn't, wasn't good in my younger years, um, but as, as soon as I hit high school, like I, I hit a growth spurt. I think I cut to 160 pounds, like as a freshman. Mm. So, and then I ended up wrestling yeah. varsity because um, I have, I back then for sure, I don't know about anymore, but back then for sure, I had, I was abnormally strong for my age. Um, and I was, I was, I, 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 I always wonder if like, if like my parents would have held me back, what more I could have done or it, uh, how much better I'd have been. Cause I graduated high school as a 17 year old and started college as a 17 year old. Oh, okay. Yeah. So, um, yeah, you were early. Yeah. Yeah. So on, on like on the wrestling mat is always where I felt most at home. Um, I liked playing football cause you got to be with your buddies and stuff like that. And, and, uh, it's just, it's when you can stand in the middle of fucking circle in spandex <laughs> and be willing to get your ass kicked in front of a gym full of people. Um, it's, it's, it has taught me, um, with coaches and mentors and guys like you, Chris, and, 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 and like, like, and my parents, it's taught me so much about life and how to succeed in life. Um, cause like we were talking about with mountain bike and I, I think that's why I like mountain biking so much too, is because you literally get in, you get out of it, what you put into it. Without a doubt. And you also feel like it could be something that, uh, it's simply you. Yeah. The performance part of it is simply you, yep. and it's not a, it's not a team. You're not dependent on other positions. Nothing. It's it's you and the opponent. Yep, yep. And that's that's uh and like that's what I loved. But I was good. I got you know good feedback from it. Like um, it helped me um, navigate some of that meathead kid stuff that you have. That because if I don't know, like I was a kid that you're gonna fight. Like I was gonna like we fought all the time, and like not because to be malicious or, or stuff like that. And I fought a lot more. I fought older people. Um, cause I remember being a freshman and, and I was in, they had that, they had this thing called advanced BE where if you're a varsity athlete, you would, you would take a strength training thing. I remember a senior picking on me in that class. I'm like, fuck you, let's fight. So like, I, I, I was never one to back down to a bully. Right. Right. Um, I, 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 um, what high school again? I don't Marcos. Know you said, okay. Yeah. Marcos. So after, after my sophomore year, cause I was so varsity my sophomore year too, after my sophomore year, 
Um, most of most of the upperclassmen in, in in like in my school never fucked with me ever again. They're like, because like I'm gonna fight you. Like 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 I'm not gonna back down. You might beat my ass or or you know get you know get get a you know take some good shots on me, but we're gonna fight because I'm not gonna back down to you. And that that's where. Um, I don't know how, and maybe it comes from my mom and stuff like that, but that's where I, I like, I describe myself to people as like, I'm a sheepdog. Like, I'm not, like, I'm not the wolf. I'm not the sheep, but I will protect the fucking sheep from the wolf. And I, and I think you've seen it out of me in, in, in a lot of things that we've done together. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. And I just, and that sticks with me now. It's always stuck with me. There's uh there's a guy, uh, one of my friends now, uh, Saru, she calls me his sheepdog because I'm just, I just, there's, there's one, like I'm the guy that's in line that if someone's berating a, a cashier or something like that, you're going to hear it from me. Right, I'm going right. to tell you to shut the fuck up. So just because I just don't, I, I, I don't, there's something, there's something about that predatory um, behavior that some people like, like try and force onto others that I can't. I can't fucking, I just, I can't deal with it. And, and every day I try and get better at it, but there's just sometimes, man, where I just, I can't. So, but yeah. So that's kind of where the sheepdog thing came through. And it was kind of nice after that. I didn't have to fight anybody else because I don't like fighting. Like I, I was never got to look for a fight. I, I, like I never wanted to fight, but I'm not going to back down to it. Um, so then um, I got decent grades at high school. I didn't really didn't try, um, but I always had, I think I had like a three, five or a three, six graduating from high school. It just school wasn't, um, school wasn't a big deal coming from, you know, my, my growing up. My, I watched my dad, um, try and get, uh, an associate's degree while I was in high school. And, um, that's how, that's when I kind of figured out I was pretty good at math because I was tutoring him in college algebra when I was like a junior. Um, my mom always wanted me to go to school. Uh, so, so she wanted me to go to school, but there it's, uh, it's hard to explain. Like, she she said go to school go to school go to school but there's really no that was it like, like that was yeah the she knew it was a good thing but probably right. didn't know a lot about how to or yep what it meant yeah or what it was not not at all um, and I tell people with with my mom especially in high school she didn't have a lot of rules for me um, she had she said her rules were get good grades uh, and don't get anybody pregnant and as I look back I'm like for a guy. Like that's an, you know, that's pretty rambunctious or whatever. Like it's probably pretty good advice. Yeah. I think it could work today. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Cause, mm-hmm. cause those are the big things, right? Mm-hmm. Like, like if you get a girl pregnant, you're going to have a rough start. Yeah. yeah, yeah your life's going to take yeah. a big turn. Yeah. And if you don't get good grades, you're not going to go to college. And those are the things that I wanted to do. So yeah. So those were her rules. I never had a curfew, um, anything like that. I just, you know, she just always kind of trusted me, um, to do stuff. And, and I think she, I guess, I don't. I, I never. I've never asked her, but it'd be interesting to ask her. Like, maybe she just had that innate trust in me because she was leaving me at home when I was six or seven years old and stuff like that. So like, I hadn't fucked that up yet. So maybe, maybe she was comfortable with just those, those, those two rules. Because my mom, she's not. She's not a book person. She's not dumb though. Right, you know what right. I mean? She she gets it. Um, she just comes from a different place and a different culture and sure. a different time for sure. Um, but. Um, yeah, so then, like, after my sophomore year, I didn't have to fight anybody. It's great. I'm like, this is awesome, man, because, you know, I just didn't want to fight anybody. But uh, So I f- focused on school. I was always more interested in athletics and my friends than girls at that time. Um, the girls always kind of came last and then, um, you know, wrestled, uh, placed, um, ended up short of a state championship. I remember that, you know, that was that, that was one of the the, the lower portions of, of, of my high school career. 
Um, but it, it didn't stop me. It just motivated me further. Um, I, 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 everything I did, I, I did more intense. I'd go out on a Friday night and, and run seven or eight miles, stuff like that. Things that, that, um, that when well, my buddies were like, Hey, we're going to this party. I'm like, I'm going to go fucking run. And then, and I'll see you guys. And that got me, uh, put me in, in, in a position to actually get a, a scholarship. So I remember, uh, I had no offers, nothing like that. I was going up to Southwest regionals, which is a, a uh, large freestyle tournament in Vegas. They have the open nationals like at the same time. And my pool at 63s had, oh man, it had a hundred and a hundred kids, 110 kids, you mm-hmm. know, from across the country. And, um, I made it to pool finals, which is the top 16 kids. Uh, so I, I went far, that was farther, um, than I think my coaches wanted me to go. And I still remember that time too, cause I had to work, for some reason, I couldn't go up with Team Arizona, so I took a fucking bus up there. Hated that. Cut weight the whole way up. Like people are changing diapers on the bus on the way up yeah. there and stuff like that. Man. So further, further reinforcement to not actually have have um, have money to drive your own car or or, or fly. Um, so went up there and I, I ended up, um, the coach from from Bakersfield and I were talking back and forth for a little bit. And he's like, "I'll be up there. Um, you know, I'll come come find me." And I will like 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 watch your matches. There's nothing nothing formal, nothing like that. So, the first match that he watched, um, it was over in five seconds. So it was on one of the elevated platforms. They have two elevated stages, and that's where the open guys wrestle their finals and all the big matches and stuff like that. But they were done for the day, so they started running more mats because it's it's a huge tournament. I remember this kid. He reached. I ducked. Went behind him. Picked him up. It's called. Well, like in wrestling, it's a soup, so it's over. His, I'm behind him. I'm around his waist. I lift, and his feet and head go over the top of my head. So mm-hmm. I arch my back. And in freestyle, they they have what's called a touch fall. So 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 if your shoulders land on a mat when you get thrown, it's over. So that's what I did in the first five seconds um, of of that match, and it was over. And that coach saw that. So so that was kind of my that was like. He's like, fuck, maybe this kid has something. Because um, I had sent him videos and stuff like that, and he wasn't obviously wasn't impressed with those because he hadn't offered anything yet. <laughs> so I did that. Um, he 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 watched several of 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 um, of my next matches, and uh, you guys know because you guys play athletics. Like I was in the zone that tournament. Like I was on fire. Like I was fucking people up. Like like effortlessly until I got to pool finals and I got fucked up effortlessly by a kid from Oklahoma and, and, and then a kid from Wyoming. Uh, and then I was out. But, um, so he asked me, he's like, Hey, call your parents. I want you to come back to Bakersfield with me. So I'm like, okay, like I'll come, I'll come back like with you. So he's like, um, I'll pay for a flight for you to get home. But, but, but I drove here and like, we'll drove there. So I drove to Bakersfield, met some of the team, stuff like that. Um, came back, they offered me a partial scholarship. So, um, I he didn't have like a white van or anything like that. No, no, he didn't ask to move any furniture, (laughs) (laughs) nothing like that. Uh Um, so went out there, partial scholarship. I worked the summer to, to, to help with some of my board and tuition. And I remember telling my mom, like, I need 800 more bucks. Like we have like 800 more bucks for, you know, for the dorm and, 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 uh, and, and food and like my meal tickets and all that kind of shit. And, um, and I didn't, I didn't, uh, I, I didn't know what we were going to do. So I don't know how she came up with it, but she came up with 800 bucks. So I you know, I remember my dad drove me, uh, my dad and, uh, my stepmom who has been an integral part of my life as well. She's like a second mom to me. Um, and we, we drove to the red lion and my coach wasn't going to get me to the next day, but my dad, my parents had to go, my, my dad's, he's tough, but he's not tough. I don't know what he, he's like. All right, we're leaving. 
I'm like, what? I'm like, fucking leaving. Like, coach isn't going to be here till tomorrow. He's like, you got the room till tomorrow. I was like, all right. And they just drove off. So drove off and coach wow. came. Yeah, it was weird. I remember, like, I felt, I didn't feel abandoned, but I'm like, fuck, this is real. Like, I'm really Yeah, here you now. got grown up right then. Yeah, well, I mean, you, for sure. You've been grown up for a while. Yeah. But this is like the first recognition, maybe. Yeah, like, holy shit. And yeah. my dad always told me, remember, life gets complicated after high school. That's all it, it's all pretty easy. You know, as I think back, I don't know what you guys think, but like, yeah, life does get a little more complicated after high school. Oh, yeah. Like a lot, lot more complicated. So stayed there a year, and I really fucking did not like Bakersfield. I fucking hate it. I've been to Bakersfield. I get it. Yeah, you drove through there, yeah, right? Uh-huh. Yeah, you, you probably haven't been there. You, yeah. you probably drove through it. Yeah, that's exactly the, the case. Yeah. yeah. Um, and, uh, and most people have, have because, uh, you know, when you're a kid, you're like, oh, fuck, I'm going to California, go with the beach, and like that. Like, you know, we're close to the fucking mm-hmm. beach. Yeah. And I didn't have a car um, at the time. And I think it only lasted a year because um, there was a, so, <laughs> fuck, this is a funny story, too. Back when I was in high school, you could take a social security, a social security card and a uh, birth certificate and get a driver's license. So when I was 17, my brother <laughs> turned 21. So me and two chicks in high school, we took all of our sisters and, and, and brother's stuff down there, and we got our own fake IDs. So I've never been a big drinker, but I had a fake ID when I was 17, like me in the picture, the whole nine yards. So And there's not shit to do in that town. There's three there's three bars at the time, uh, Roxanne's, Charlie Brown's, and some other fucking bar. But anyway, the, the country bar was like the biggest place. So I ended up meeting a pediatric nurse there. She's like 25 or 26. I'm 17 years old, but my driver's license says I'm 22 or something. Yeah, it says and, McLovin. Yeah, exactly. Uh-huh. <laughs> That's exactly what it said. Yeah. And uh, so we ended up, you know, hanging out and and uh, and, I, and I made the lineup um, for part of the year there. And Russell didn't, didn't, you know, didn't have, an, didn't have an outstanding season. I lost my first four matches. And I think I ended up going like, seven and four or something, some shit like that. So, um, didn't, you know, didn't, you know, didn't, didn't make it past, um, 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 anywhere to be able to qualify for the nationals. So, um, when I, uh, when, when I decided to leave, my brother came and got me and, and my brother and I, we've kind of had an up and down relationship where we're, there's nothing wrong with it. We don't have a lot in common except cars and stuff like that. And I love my brother to death and like, don't like, like, don't get me wrong. Like I'd fucking kill somebody for him. Um, but, but, uh, but he, he's a gamer. Like, like when you need him, he will be there. And I tell people that all the time. Like he may not be there when you need something small, but if you said, I'm, I have a flat tire in New York city, I need you to come here. He would fucking get in his car and he would drive to New York city from Arizona. He would change your tire and then he, and then he would go home. So, so that's kind of our relationship, but, but he was there, came and picked me up and you know, I didn't want to leave and I just fucking did not like it. I was, I was actually starting to get like just very unmotivated and I don't know what the deal was, but, uh, but I left, um, uh, I, I ended up getting talked into wrestling a season at Phoenix college um, didn't even make it through the whole season. So uh, Joe Joe Corso and and Joe Romero were the coaches at the time there uh, for the Arizona guys. Um, and uh, I remember our thirty four pounder and I were in Reno for it for for the Reno tournament, and we're at the fucking table gambling at two in the morning. And I'm like, I'm fucking done. Like yeah, this is right. like if I'm fu- and I don't I don't do shit like that. That's, that's not a sign. Yeah, that's not me. Like I'm I'm usually I'm pretty methodical about how I train for stuff shit like that. I'm like, this is it. And uh, so I ended up uh, just quitting the team and just uh, finishing that out. And I was I was really getting to the point because you know it's a that was a junior college and I was working a security job 
because I never lived at home. That was never an option for me. Um, trying to pay my own bills, like wrestling, going to school. I was just, I think part, part of the problem was, and I tell people this today, I just couldn't handle all that. It was fucking a lot for me. And, I, and like, there's it's a lot for m- most kids. Yeah, it was a lot. Like, 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 I feel like, uh, I don't even know, it was like 96, something like that, 1995, ni- like 1996, something like that. And, uh, and, and like, I remember it was VIP security. That's what I worked for. Cause my, my dad's buddy who was a Thorbacker owned VIP security and oh, yeah. I could work. Okay. Yeah. So, so I could work just whenever I wanted to, but like I'd get off practice sometimes and I would fucking go work at some stupid concert till midnight or one o'clock. I'm beat. I'm cutting weight, like all that kind of shit. And it, it just came to the point where I'm like, all right, I'm at a fucking junior college. I'm probably not going to go to the Olympics. I'm not going to be any better than 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 what I want to be. I'm like, it's time to get serious about something else, like about you know making money, not being poor. And my, my mom wasn't doing the best at that time, so I came back and I painted for a year um, for with my dad, um, and and that's where I really started figuring out like, man, I'm pretty good at fucking hustling. So I always had a wad of cash in my pocket because I'd, I'd paint a car like on the weekend or do something like that. And I always, 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 always had, had money in my pocket and, and I would give my mom money cause she would ask for money, stuff like that. And that's when I started really taking care of my mom. I'd probably say age 20, 21, something mm-hmm. like that. She'd always ask for something. And, and I, I, at that point is when I kind of became the parent to my mom. Cause I like, like there was time, I remember sitting her down one time and going, this has to fucking stop. Like, why can't you make your rent? Like what the fuck's going on? And, and and we'd go through that exercise and 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 uh, and she cleaned that stuff up and then I and then I went to ASU and and that's when I really buckled down with school, um, and I had a four up to eighty two credits when I was at ASU. I was good, uh-huh. like I was yeah I was working, um, I was working. I was I was at at ASU. I was hustling. I was I was building PCs and servers for people and selling them on the side and total Asian shit. I know and uh, and and. Uh, and I, when I was looking at, at, at the majors, I really, when I started off school, I wanted to be a, a physical therapist. And then I realized I had to get a master's and they didn't make that much money. So I looked at, at, at what made the most money. I'm like, fuck, these, these programmers are starting at sixty-five dollars or $70,000 a year coming straight out of college. And all my buddies are like 32, 20. I'm like, fuck it. I'm, that's what I'm going to do. I'm be a programmer. Yeah, so, and it's booming at yeah, that point. Yeah, and I ended up uh, uh, getting accepted to the um, – into the the computer information systems major at ASU. And at the time, to apply to, to be accepted to that program, they took 10 core classes um, that they looked at and then your overall GPA and some other stuff. Well, you to get into that college at that time, you had to have a 4.0 hmm. in those 10 core classes. So I had that, and I, and I had a 4.0 on, on top of that. Um, so I ended up getting into that. So I kind of poured, poured, poured my heart into that. Um, and, and I just, I worked, uh, one job during, you know, during the school year. And then I always worked two jobs in the summer, like all through college. And I paint a little bit. And, and, uh, there was a point where I got recognized for my, for my good grades. There was, there was a, a, a letter that came in the mail. And I still remember when I'm reading it where I'm standing, um, and, and what I was doing at the time, I bought a house, um, when I was in college off student loan money. Cause I, I would see opportunities and I've always been this way in life. I'm like, these fuckers are going to give me as much like up to $50,000 at 1.2%. I'm like, I'm buying a fucking house. So I bought a house with it. So, so, so near school, uh, it was in Tempe. Like, yeah, not, 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 uh, not, 
not too far. It was actually not far from Marcos. Um, it was actually, uh, to be hundred percent honest, it was it was a rental that that uh, that my dad owned. So oh, wow. I bought off them, um, and I ended up getting roommates, and they, yeah. pay, they paid the rent all that shit. And I was yeah. Right. So again, I had I had a stream of money coming in uh, back then when I was like twenty one years old. Um, but I was standing outside that house opening up the mail back when I used to open up the mail because uh, I don't even fucking check my own mail anymore because I don't I, I'm never at home. Um, and it was from a group called Inroads. So their their whole it's a nonprofit. Their whole deal was to get minorities internships with Fortune 500 companies. So the deal was though you had to go there and they'd have like a like a job day or job fair day and you you would talk to all these Fortune 500 companies and the only way you became part of Inroads was if you uh, were picked by one of those companies. So that's where I met John Martinez. Really? Yeah. So John was in Inroads. So okay. so, so Honeywell ended up um, ended up selecting me. So I not for programming though. So I ended up going to work. Um, in contracts for uh, Honeywell Space on 59th Avenue and Union Hills. Okay. So Aubrey Norris, if you're still alive and you listen to this, thank you for everything that you did for me in that year. So that man, um, you probably haven't, you've seen my writing like academically, but you haven't seen my business writing. So Aubrey Norris um, was the one that taught me how to business write. So, and it was fucking, it was straight up fireman style. He would, he, he would have me write a memo to McDonnell Douglas or to Boeing or something like that. And then I'd go in his office and he would fucking shred it. I'm like, how can two paragraphs be this bad? I know I'm not dumb, but so he'd shred it. I'd go back out. I'd rewrite it. He'd come back in there. He'd shred it again. So that, that, that it'd go back. It went back and forth like that for probably the first three months until he's like, I, until one day when he's like, this is good. I'm like, Jesus fucking took three months and this is good. So he taught me, um, how to business, right. But the the other cool thing that I got experience with that was, um, was, um, I got to sit in multi, multi, multi million dollar negotiations because Aubrey was the lead contracts negotiator for that group. And great guy. (laughs) He sounded like a parrot (laughs) to be totally honest with you, but I, but I got to watch, how these guys operated and, and you're, you're essentially support for the overall operation. Absolutely. Right? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Right. So I, he would like, as, as an intern, um, I got opportunities that, that maybe some other people wouldn't get. So like I got to be in certain, certain positions or certain meetings that, that, that a fucking 21 or 22 year old kid would never be in. But, but I got to watch how these guys do. It. And that's where my love for business, I think started. I'm like, this is fucking cool. So, uh, we did that year and ended up becoming president of that group. Um, gave me lots of opportunities. I got to speak it because they had chapters all over the nation and they had, they'd have a big conference every summer. And um, when they had it here in Tucson, I got to speak to 5,000 people, you know, that's a great experience for, for somebody like me. And then um, they kept me, they said, Hey, do you want to stay um, through, through the school year. Okay, so this was this program was a defined period of time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. and I said, yeah, like it was just supposed to be for the summer, and they, if they keep you or they don't keep you, you basically fall out of that program. Um, so, uh, so they kept me, and I worked. There was great money. It was like <sighs> this would have been ninety eight or something like that, because I took a year off to paint, like ninety eight something. Yeah, so, so somewhere in there, and I think I was making nineteen bucks an hour. Yeah, that's, that's pretty really good. good then. Yeah, and I, I still remember I, did, I that was my first uh, C10 that I bought. It was a 1970. That might have been what I was making on the fire department <laughs> in 1998. Yeah, yeah, doing a lot less work than I was doing for sure. <laughs> so, um, so I, uh, I, uh, I had a truck then too. It was a, it was a 79 
big 10, but it was a uh, square body truck. So I, I, uh, I tore that thing apart, repainted that thing. But the only thing it, it, it had the same straight six that it hacks. I couldn't afford as in college at the time to put a new engine in it. Um, but I had repainted the outside, did all that kind of stuff, but it had no fucking AC either. So there I am in like slacks, button down tie, yeah, sweating. Yeah, in the summer driving that thing. Like every day I got that thing. Like you're not talking about wet back. Like <laughs> get straight out of that thing, sweaty. Um, drove that thing. So I drive that thing back and forth, and they're really cool and flexible with my schedule. And I was getting it to my senior year in college, and I started attending job fairs at ASU. I, I interviewed with um, HP, Deloitte and Touche, Arthur Anderson. Um, all that other stuff, and I accepted a job with um, Arthur Anderson um, as a consultant. So um, I was at Honeywell one time, and like, because uh, I was still working my part time job there, because it was the end of my senior year. And one of the HR people said, "Hey, like, did like how are things going? I'm like, they're going great, or, or whatever. Like, so are like you'll, you'll be working here like when you graduate? I'm like, oh no, I'm like, I'm like, I'm like you guys never extended an offer to me on anything. They're like, what? And I said, yeah, you never said, I said, I accepted a job with Arthur Anderson. And they're like, hold on, wait a second. So within a day, um, I had an offer from Honeywell, like, like at the time. And, and I was very lucky. Um, my lowest offer out of college was $65,000 with a $5,000 signing bonus. My highest was $78,000 with a $10,000 um, signing bonus. But I would have to work for Exxon in Texas. And I was like, no, thanks. I know a little bit about that, and uh, that ain't a great thing to do. Okay. That's where my brother-in-law works. Okay. So yeah. I made the right choice then. Yeah. And, like, I didn't want to do that. And and, and, and Hewlett-Packard offered me a job as well, but I'd have to move to San Francisco. So I don't – some of this shit, I don't even know how in the fuck I come up with this stuff. Like, I did a cost of living index. No one told me that. <laughs> so I'm like, I'm like, <laughs> I'm like, what would I have to make in San Francisco to live here? Because I know it's expensive to live there. It was like – one hundred eighty-two thousand dollars, something like that. I'm like, fuck, no, I'm not doing that. So, um, so Arthur Anderson had, had had already had already offered me that job. Well, they told me because this is when the economy tanked at that time, so the early two thousands or something. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And they said, hey, we're going to keep you, but we can't start you for six months. So we're going to pay you a stipend of two thousand dollars a month to not show up to work. And I was like. That is awesome, Shorty Bear. <laughs> that that is awesome. I'm like I'm like you're, you're gonna do That's that. Crazy. Yeah, just just to keep me, just to keep just, me. It's basically it's a retainer. That's it for two thousand yeah. dollars a month. So, um, so I took the job with Honeywell too. I'm like fuck it. Like they're not starting me. Like there's nothing. Like, yeah, you got two jobs now, yeah. and you only got to work it. one. <laughs> yeah, and and I wanted to go to the military at at that time as and well. And there's no non no non compete or anything like that that goes along with that. I know. Time, huh? The contract I signed was one page. So yeah. So so I leave and I go to um uh Honeywell I start working there and nine eleven happened so all that stuff. And I already had signed my contract to go into the military. I was just gonna go in as a reservist. Like I wanted to do it. It was like it was either now or never, shit or go off the pot kind of thing. My dad tried to talk me out of it. He's like, What are you fucking doing? You have a great job, you have a house, you have all this stuff. I was I was engaged at the time. Like, what are you doing? I'm like, it's something I want to do. You did it, Uncle Mark did it, Uncle My uh, Uncle Bob did it, grandpa did it. Like, why like why am I any better? He's like, Well, at least go in as an officer. I'm like, nah, I'm gonna go in as a fucking enlisted guy. He's like, go in as an officer. So okay. All right, okay. So I went through that exercise. So get so I get to basic training. Um, that was it was funny too, because I, I went into that thing naive thinking everybody's gonna be, you know, like doing it for the patriotic side of it. So but that but but 
but that wasn't the case. Like, and now, you're, so you're in there as an adult yeah. with a bunch of eighteen year olds. Yeah, and that's yeah. a that is a different. Uh, oh yeah, totally different uh, setup. Totally different. Um, he, um, so I go to basic training, and and you go to for the army because that's what I joined first. You go to in processing. That's like a week long. Get your uniforms, get your haircut, get your shots. You know, they get you in the financial system so you can get paid and all that kind of stuff. Well, I met one of my lifetime friends who's the Harvard guy that I talked mm-hmm. about, Kirk Stowers. Um, uh, he was older than me, but we met in, in in processing. So once you go through all that shit, they put you on buses and they take you to whatever company and then you get to the barracks. Well, when you get off the bus, it's like the movies. Like, get the fuck off the bus, yeah, you fucking right. piece of shit. Well, everybody just spreads. The drill sergeants just start grabbing people. Well, Kirk and I ended up right next to each other. So we get in the same company, um, like right off the bat. So I'm like, fuck, cool. I'm with Kirk because, because, because we made friends, um, with each other in, in processing older guy, educated guy. We were both slotted to go to officer candidate school, the whole nine yards. So then we ended up becoming battle buddies. They're like, he's your battle buddy. I'm like, fuck dude, this is going to work out great. So, um, so they team us up and they they just like the movies they dump all your shit on the fucking closet. Well, I remember my fiance like at the time where they're giving a packing list of what you should bring. So it's like five hand towels. Five. Like, Why the fuck am I gonna take five hand towels? I'm like, Can I just take your loofah? She's like, Yeah. She's like the pink one. I go, Yeah. Who gives a fuck? I'm just gonna use it to yeah, right. to shower with or whatever. And, or, and 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 the drill the head drill sergeant over over um, uh, my platoon. We were the war dogs. So drill sergeant Gillis, I'll I'll, I'll, I'll uh, never forget that guy. He uh, he uh, he dumps my shit and it's all in there and he's like, "Oh no, what the fuck is that?" And he's like, he's like, "Just start pushing the fucking concrete, private." So now they're doing pushups and I'm, I have no idea what he's talking about. He's like, "What the fuck is this?" He's like, "Look at this." So I look up. He's like, I'm "Like drill sergeant, that's the, that's a loofah drill sergeant." He's like. Oh, loofah boy! So he's so I'm 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 I'm, uh, I'm in the front leaning rest doing pushups and he's bouncing the loofah off my head as I'm doing these pushups and he's going loofah boy, loofah boy. Uh, <laughs> that's fantastic. Oh, in <laughs> me being a little bit older, you know it's all a big fucking act. Like these guys are like the nicest guys ever. So, um, so start there and you know you go through all the basic training stuff. It was fun. Kirk and I got to be bow boys. They they um, they separate you every morning by your level of fitness, A, B, C, D. Mm-hmm. So this is this is my only time I was an A shifter. So even for being a big guy, I've always been pretty fast. Right. So, um, you know, they, they go out and, and they give you your first PT test after they beat the fuck out of you for two hours earlier. So your PT test. So, she, so I ended up in A group, and that's the fast guy. So I, I show up, you know, and, and one of the drill sergeants there, drill sergeant Gill is the only guy that I remember from from that whole experience, uh, he's like, what the fuck are you doing here, big man? I'm all Joe Sarton. They told me to come to a group, Joe Sarton. And he said, he's like, that can't be right. Cause I'm about this size, about two Oh five. And he's like, he's like, they must've fucked something up. It's like, let me check. And he's like, Nope, you're here. So, and that was a pretty tough group to run in. Um, because you, 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 you always had to run with, they called road guards two in the one, two in the front, two in the back. And, and you wore vests and lights. Well, nobody right. wanted to be a road guard ever. Cause it was fucking miserable. I remember I'd, um, I had to be at one time. Well, I had to do it because because nobody wanted to do it, and we weren't ready for us to roll out and run. So they fucking smoked us before we even got on our run because those guys, they would yell switch. So front would have to run to back, back to what would have to oh, run okay, to the front. Yeah. Not a big deal if you run to the back, right? Hard as fuck to oh, run yeah, to the front. overtaking the group to yeah. get to the front. And in A group, we're running six to 630 miles. Like, we're fucking hauling ass. So, 
you have to do that stuff. And I remember the first day I did pretty good because I didn't go hard. And then the second day, I was the second time we showed up to do PT because we did we ran Monday, Wednesday, Friday, something like that. I was getting my dick beat in that day, man. I was suffering. And there was another big guy that was um, that was. Uh, uh, there was in that group, but he was a drill sergeant. I remember I started falling off the group, and he came right behind. He's like, "Don't you fucking fall out, motherfucker!" He's like, "You're the only big motherfucker in here with me. Like, keep fucking, <laughs> fucking, stay in the fucking game, stay in the fucking game." So I threw up because I just needed to throw up and get it out, and then I just fucking hauled ass back there. And I ended up staying in that group. Um, it was fun. I lost. I probably lost. I left sub 200 um, in there because you just you're just doing something all day long. Yeah, it's like our academy. It's hard. To yeah, it's not like weight. super hard, yeah. like is physically and stuff. But I mean, and I knew I was only going to be there for 12 or 14 weeks or whatever. Stress it was. burns a lot of calories that yeah. we don't account yeah. for. And I loved it, Kirk, and I loved it. Like I got to shoot, you know, throw a grenade, fucking shoot an AT4. Like I got to carry the saw, which is the M249, which is which is a a fully automatic fucking rifle that you can put about. Uh, 500 rounds. I think you put a thousand rounds, and I, I I even forget now. But I carried that all through basic training. It sucked because because when we had to road march and go 15 miles, I had to carry it. Yeah, it's at, a heavy son of a gun. Yeah, at the ready, I couldn't shoulder 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 load it like you would do in the field because you know you're in basic training or whatever. But that was a good experience. Like Kirk, I said, like I met one of my lifetime you know best friends. He's uh, we used to counsel kids um, all the time uh, since we were the college guys and stuff like that. And they used to fuck with us all the time, like all the drill sergeants were, because they know you're going off to Kansas school. They like they know your background. They used to pull Kirk and I out of out of the chow line and like put us in front of the, all of the other drill sergeants and say, tell tell these guys what you do and how much money you make. And they should just fuck with us all the time. Like in just like at the fire department, like all, right, in, right. Like, like all pure nonsense. Yeah. It just, yeah, yeah. And that's it. So, but what kids would come in and, and they would have us write, uh, proofread their letters home. And I got to learn a lot about those kids and where they came from. And what I realized was this is a lot of people's only way out of poverty or to support their families. There's one kid, he was from Kansas. I don't, I don't remember his name. Um, but I do remember his story. He came in, and I, I'd always ask him because I'm curious. I like to know everybody's story. Maybe that's why I started this fucking thing. But I asked him, um, you know, like, what? why are you here? Like, what made you join? And he said, well, I, I grew up poor. I have three brothers and a mom. I've always had to support my mom. So obviously, instantly, I like the fucking kid because, you know, supporting his family. So I used to walk to Dairy Queen two miles each way and this and that. And he said, I knew when I came here, I would have three meals. I can send money back to my family and I could get money for college. I was like, man, and you don't, that's a pretty big thing for a kid. I think that's hell of a set of priorities. Really. Yeah. Yeah. For sure. Food and all that kind of stuff. You're taking care of your family. And, and, and I, I remember another kid, um, I won't say his name, but, uh, I'm like, what are you here for? He's like, Oh, I got caught running guns between Tennessee and whatever the fuck it was <laughs> straight up hillbilly. <laughs> and, uh, he's like, and the judge told me I can either go to the army or I can go to jail. So I'm here. And like that kid shot expert on, 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 on the range. Go figure. Yeah, first time, first yeah. time out. He's <laughs> fucking t- taking shit down. But um, um, yeah, that was just an interesting experience overall. I remember that's, I had a little sheepdog experience there too. There was a, another guy from Brooklyn, New York. Big, big, big guy. He's probably six four, whatever. Well, he decided to pick on Kirk one day. And I told him, and I I caught it towards the end. I said, "Hey, if you ever fucking fuck with that guy again, I'm gonna fucking I'm gonna fuck you up." And he's like, "Yeah, whatever." I'm like, "Okay, we're just gonna wait." And and you and everybody has duty, um, 
Uh, you have to have uh, a fire guard person at night, and everybody, everybody does it. Just, sure, yeah. It's whatever. So just so happened, the stars aligned, and I was relieving him on fire guard at like 2 in the morning or 3 in the morning. So quiet, no one's around. And I came I'm like, what do you want to do? He's like, let's do this. So, so there, so there we were right in the middle of the barracks. It didn't last long, and I, no one got punched. I just choked him the fuck out, and I just told him, I said, next time I'm gonna fucking kill you. And I would, would never do that, but I wanted him to know, like, don't fuck with this. Serious, guy. yeah, because yeah, Kirk, Kirk is, and like, let me let me describe Kirk for you. He's five eight, 140 pounds. This guy's six four, maybe two thirty. So I'm like, no, not today. Like, yeah, he's just taking advantage. Yeah, you're just like, again, just another bully on 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 on, on stuff like that. Um, the only funny, other funny story I'll tell about that experience was, um, so my fiance at about week ten, because we got to talk, um, and I got to talk more than to her more than most, because Kirk's fiance was having a tough time, so he got. Um, special special approval to talk to his fiance almost every night and I'm his battle buddy and there's pay phones so yeah. I got to you got to go yeah so I got to talk on phone too yeah. I remember like one time my dad's like are you really in basic training like he asked me that question <laughs> I'm like yeah dude I am where is where, where'd you go to basic yeah exactly no, oh, I went uh, Fort Jackson South Carolina okay they just right. call it relaxing in Jackson mm-hmm. um so uh, so I got to talk on the phone well she's like hey um you haven't been paid from any of your basic training stuff because she had access to all the counsel and stuff. And I'm like, really? Like, I'll say something tomorrow. We weren't hurting for money. I was getting a check from Honeywell because I still, I still work for Honeywell. And Honeywell, great place to work for. If you go on active duty, they will pay your full-time salary for up to a year. So wow. k- kudos to you, Honeywell. Yeah, no kidding. Um, so I was getting a Honeywell check for whatever I was making, $68,000 a year there every every two weeks. I was getting a, sti- a monthly stipend of two grand from from like Arthur Anderson. So yeah, there's no money problems. And I think the mortgage back then was seven fifty or something like that, something super tiny. And so I told my, like my drill sergeant the next morning, I said, hey, drill sergeant, my, I talked to my fiance. And she said, I haven't been paid from, um, from the Army yet. Um, and he's like, what? He's like, yeah, drill sergeant, I, I, I hadn't been paid. And the Kirk's with me, and he's like, how in the fuck have you not been paid? I'm like, Drill Sergeant, I don't know. I'm just bringing it to your attention, Drill Sergeant, so you can, like, so maybe. Yeah, what can, do I do? Yeah. So he's like, all right, come back. I'll talk to the XO and come back later. So the XO and the company commander's back in the afternoon, and they're in the office. I'm with Kirk. I'm like, oh, fuck. And uh, I no, we ended up going to the company commander's office. I, I was like, fuck, man. I'm, maybe I'm in trouble. Like, yeah, this right. Is not good. So, and he's like, well. I get good news and I have bad news for you, private. And I said, I just stood there. Um, and he said, officially, you are not in the U.S. Army. He's like, somehow, some way, you never got in our financial system. So you can leave today if you choose. I knew he was fucking lying. Yeah, right. And I was like, sir, I would not like to do that, sir. And he's, and he's, like, he's like, good. He's like, but my second question, or my first question is, and he said the same thing that my director said, how in the fuck have you been here for 10 weeks and haven't been paid and you're just coming to coming to us with this right now? And I was like, I was like, I have other money, sir. I said, I'm like, sir, I have other money, sir. And he's like, really? And he's like, what other money do you have? I'm like, this guy already fucking knows the story. Yeah, he, right, right. He, he's just going to make me regurgitate the story. So I go through that whole thing. And they're, so then I finish, and they just fucking all bust up and laugh. They're like, you motherfucker. How do you, like, how did you work that deal where you got this? And I said, this just happened, man. I have no idea how it happened. He's like, all right, we'll get it, you know, we'll, we'll get it squared away. But I well, should What's the pay? In basic, it's at nothing. That point. Yeah, I, I, I got to think it's what five hundred bucks. Yeah, that's what I was bucks, gonna guess. Something, something like that, and 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 in 
in the other thing is because that have, means a lot to a lot of those other guys in there, and absolutely does. And they're they I go in ten weeks without ever saying something. I I can imagine that probably had never really come across their desk before. Yeah, no, you're yeah. I think thinking back, you're you're probably right. But I should have realized with some of the pay stuff I've had in other other government jobs. That it's really not a big surprise they fuck up yeah, here all the time, right? Yeah. <laughs> so yeah. me and the city of Phoenix talked about that yesterday. Oh, did you? <laughs> yeah. So so that was uh, that was that was my introduction to uh, government payroll. <laughs> right, <laughs> That's right, beautiful. Right, right there. Um, but yeah, so I ended up um, at the end of the cycle. They call it. You have an opportunity to become soldier of the cycle. Well, your company or your platoon nominates someone from their company to go in front of a board and, 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 and be up for that award. So I got nominated for that. Hmm. So, did um, this have something to do with it? Uh, yeah, probably. Yeah. Yeah. They're probably bribing me for sure. So you go in there and, and there's a, there's a packet that you study of like, you know, navigation stuff and calling in, uh, um, uh, airdrops on, you know, for, for, um, for ordinance and stuff like that. And the, all this other shit. True infantry work. Yeah. Yeah. So then, so, but when you go in, it's very militant. So you walk in, you got to do your, your shit is starched to the T and everything else. And your boots are shined to, you know, to, to actually blind someone. And you do a bunch of facing movements and you sit in your chair, like a certain way and shit. And you just answer a bunch of questions. And you have to answer them totally different. Like, not like a, like a fire department type interview. Like, right. if you, like if you ask me a question, I'd say drill sergeant, you know, coordinate, blah, 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 blah. And then I'd move on to that. And that's it. Like you're like a fucking robot. So anyway, um, I ended up being picked out of, out of multiple companies to be soldier leader of the cycle. So it's not important. It's not whatever. But, um, when I got to graduation, you get a special thing with, uh, with, with the base commander and shit like that. But why that story is actually important is because that's when I realized that I am never as cool as I ever think that I am. Not that I thought I was super cool, but at the end of that, you sit with the company commander or, or the, the base commander. Well, my fiance flew out for it. I hadn't seen her in obviously 12 weeks or 14 weeks or whatever it was. Well, the whole fucking time he's talking to her because they both went to U of A. <laughs> so I was, I, he didn't really yeah, fucking talk right, to me. Right. So I find, I was like, and this is going to, I guess, I guess I've never been that scared to kind of speak up. And I'm like, uh, sir, would you mind if we got at it? Cause the fucking graduation's over, like stands are empty, shit like that. And they're still talking. I'm like, sir, would you mind if we kind of got out of here? I haven't seen my fiance in 14 weeks. Before. And he's like, Soldier, I'm sorry. He's like, get the fuck out of here. So, like, like take off. But yeah, that was another funny, funny experience. So, came back. Um, my job. I was naive when I first went in. I I went down with Darren, my brother in law, who's an E nine, who actually works for the fire department. Um, I said, hey, let's go. We go down there with me, so I don't fucking they don't screw me over in some contract. He's like, what do you want to do? I'm like, well, I can't be away too long. Blah blah. blah. I'm like. What, what, if they can use my skill set, I would rather have them use my skill set to do it. So I ended up um, in, in – I didn't go to OCS, and, and neither did Kirk. Both of us, we we bowed out of it. My fiance didn't do really well but with the time I was gone. I was have to be gone again, and I pretty much knew we weren't well, – we wouldn't be yeah, – OCS married. is long, way, yeah, way it, longer than basic, right? Yeah, it's longer, and I was going to go back to back. And in my contract – because the contract's going to be written anyway – if I were to bow out, I would just be an E4, and then I would go into whatever they 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 put me into, they designated me to. So I ended up in a in a in a basically a fucking military hacking unit called the Western Information Operations Center. So like I took NSA classes on hacking. They sent us to Chicago for white hack stuff and and, and stuff like that. And uh, it was just a bunch of dorks, just a bunch of nerds and fucking BDUs. Like my my my. My commander was a fucking rocket scientist from Raytheon in Tucson or whatever. Like he was, he you want to talk about nutty professor that dude. Like we'd come in in the morning for our drill or whatever, he'd be asleep on the fucking table. 
He just out of his fucking hairs all over the place and, and, and all that other stuff. So I spent a short time there. I actually petitioned out of the army, um, to go into the Navy and that's where, cause I, I need to do something more high speed. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think I was only in that unit for two years or something like that, two and a half years, something like that, but it was fun and I got to do some stuff, but, um, it, 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 it I should have not done that. And I probably in hindsight, I probably should just went to OCS, but anyway, um, so I end yeah, up. Yeah, but you had to learn some really interesting stuff. I did. I, I did. I actually hacked my buddy's servers that actually ran uh, IT department for uh, for uh, a mortgage company because he was talking. I'm like, I'm gonna hack your shit tomorrow. You watch, I leave you message right on your fucking monitor. So so, and that's where I already knew how to program because I was programming. So, right. But I got to learn some cooler stuff. So it was fun, interesting, and like, who else can say like you took you're certified through the NSA and certain types of yeah, no uh, of stuff. So 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 that was cool. Um, uh, so I ended up, uh, well, you know how to protect your shit now. Yeah. I just unplug it real, real fucking, <laughs> right. Real, yeah. yeah. Uh-huh. <laughs> that's what I tell people all the time. Disconnect from the fucking internet. That's all you do. Just disconnect your fucking modem. That's all you got to do. <laughs> so well, they, they have no way in then. Right. So phone, different, different animal. Um, but, um, but I petitioned out, uh, met with a Navy recruiter. There is a, a unit in San Diego called, uh, EOD mobile unit seven. So they're, uh, uh, Explosive Ordnance Disposal Unit in 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 San Diego. Um, I got into that unit. Um, I just ended my contract with with the Army. They just took whatever I owed to the Army, and they tacked it on to the Navy contract. Mm-hmm. Um, that was a great unit. All, all we did was train diver. Um, uh, we used to, we used to uh, show everybody everybody dives right. Not everybody, no. just okay. just certain groups. So 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 I went there to be a diver. Uh, there's full EOD techs. We had some ex seals in our unit because it's part of the special warfare group. We're not seals. I was never a seal. Just want to be crystal clear on that. Um, some of our guys did do the full ramp up and 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 ramp down with some of the teams, but it's, uh, the seals, uh, some mammal units like that, that do stuff. That's, that's a spe- like a uh, special warfare group. There's a lot of high speed guys in, in, in EOD, like our shirts, like it's kind of, kind of a macho thing. Like if you see us running, try and keep up like that kind of shit. Right, but right. all I did was train, run, swim, run, dive stuff, um, uh, get, get ready for dive school. We had our own boats. Like it was all, it was, it was totally fun. Um, that whole time, I didn't do anything eventful. We used to blow shit up for uh, in Thailand. We used to, we did some force protection diving in UAE. Um, we uh, we would blow up shit for the San Diego County Sheriff's Department every month because uh, we had a, a sheriff that was part of that. I forget his name, but uh, you can't imagine the amount of ordinance that fucking they confiscate every every. Well, you probably know because you worked in Homeland. Yeah, they're- it's crazy. Yeah, they're on an international border. Yeah, it's fucking nuts. Like yeah. we, there'd be a table this size, which is six foot by by three feet, just full of ordnance, and we would just blow shit up all fucking weekend, stuff like that. So sounds um, pretty fun. But I got to do some some uh, some close quarter battle stuff because um, we should train up um, train up in China Lake. I got to carry uh, MP5 with a pistol. Like we did all kinds of fun shit. So more more of a high speed unit, more fit fit my like fitness profile. So right. at that same time, I was trying to transition out of corporate America. I'm like, I got to get out of here. I'm going to fucking like kill myself. Um, if I, if I, if I sit behind this desk any longer. Um, so I decided to either, um, go to PA school or just, and I, I've always had my own business. Like even when I was in, 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 uh, in the corporate world, I had my own software consulting company, me and another guy, we should program at night. Um, and so I was like, I'll just, I'll, I'll do that or I'll do something. I'm, I'm not in, I'm good behind a computer for about four hours. Um, yeah. Something you want to control a little bit more. Yeah. Yeah. It just, it was just boring. It's fun. I like the analytical side of it, the logical side. I was good at it. I like, I had a knack for it, but I didn't at first, I was just a poor kid that didn't want to be poor. 
So I'm like, what's the highest thing I can get paid for? And after I had a house and I was established and stuff like that, it's like, okay, cool. Like, let's go fucking figure something else out. Um, I kind of like what the Greeks say about life. Like, you're going to live multiple lives within that life. First, you're going to be a soldier and then a, or, or whatever, like, a, like a, a politician, a soldier, whatever. Like, I feel like I've lived multiple lives up to this point, and I don't know what the next one's going to be, but it's been like a, like a cool ride. So, but anyway. It's kind of cool to figure it out. It is. It, it's it's uh, definitely a journey. So, um, and then I'm like, my uncle's a fireman. I'm like, I can, like, I'll be 100%. I didn't join the fire service because I wanted to, like, be a fireman. I didn't like, there's nothing that even registered in my brain. I'm like, those guys do good shit. They're service driven, which I am. I'm like, but I didn't know anything about a fire truck. I have nothing. Um, I'm like, they get to get paid to work out. Another thing I love to do. And Tran- transformational. I think yeah. that's the right word. Right? Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. And, and, and there's, there's just a bunch of good stuff about it. So, so I went and rode with him and I'm like, oh yeah, I can do this. Like for sure I can do this. And, and I think I had the, the, what the attributes of what the fire department looks for, ex-military, ex-college athletes, stuff like that. I mean, at that time they were doing mass hiring. Like they were running classes of 60, like Oh five, like yeah. back to back to back to back. We, we had uh, a huge amount of attrition going on. We had a big group of people leaving, yep. getting ready to leave. And, uh, we were actually, uh, kind of pre hiring before that group left. Gotcha. Yeah. yeah. So I was part of that group and they, they, they held the mirror to my face. And I was at the, I was an RTO at the very beginning of that group in okay. 02 and 03. Gotcha. Yeah. So I probably just missed you then. Um, you know, I, 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 I didn't know anything about the fire service. I showed up, um, to station 25 and Terry McHugh was given a interview, a class there. I was in the middle of my EMT because as most people know, they have worked for uh, Phoenix. We, you had to be an EMT like at the time. Yeah. You have to show up with your EMT cert. And I was actually taking an EMT class at Scottsdale because someone's like, hey, you got to take an EMT class. I'm like, I don't know. Like, I didn't. I didn't. Whatever's close, right? Yeah. So yeah. And I, was, I was working for Prudential Financial at the time in IT. You know, it was right down the street. So I'm like, got fuck it. it. So I'll go there and do it. Um, and, 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 and that's when I realized I'm like, this EMT class can be two weeks. Why is this thing fucking, why is this thing a whole semester? Like, you could teach all this in two weeks. But um, anyway, so I did. Those are the same guys you went to basic training with. Probably. They, yeah. they, they needed the 17 weeks. <laughs> yeah, for sure. For sure. So, so I, um, so, and I told the, so I got hired, like, like I went to the first interview and I never rode or anything. I kind of feel bad. I really didn't know the deal because I was older. No one, like my uncle just said, hey, go talk to this guy. So I went there and I sat in that interview class. I'm like, that's all you got to do to answer these questions? I can do that. I've been interviewing my whole life in corporate America, the military, yeah. stuff like that. I'm like, yeah. And we're hiring off character. Okay. And so, obviously that that was, uh, they got what they needed. Yeah, right? yeah, lack of, of the interview. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah, lack of character. So, or a character for sure. They didn't know you were into hacking. Yeah, yeah. Hey, that you hacked the interview. <laughs> for sure. So... I got hired right off the bat, and I told my instructor, who was uh, a real metro lady, I said, hey, here's the deal. I got hired. I didn't think I was going to get hired. I was just kind of going through this deal, and like they say, it takes a long time, but I got hired. Can you just keep this under wraps? But the, the reason why I'm telling you is because I need to take my EMT cert before the class takes it, because they're going to start me in January. I was in the middle. Of, I started the, the EMT in, in September. So, and the academy started in January. So I ended up having to go to Flagstaff, take the test, passed it, did all that kind of stuff. A weird test. Like one of the weirder tests I've ever taken in my life. Yeah, yeah. Um, but, Still is. But she told the class. And I, I asked her not Ugh. to. Yeah, so you know how that one, if like a fart in church, like like everybody doesn't like, at that time, I think Phoenix isn't, wasn't shined on as much as they are now. I don't know. But anyway, like people just, they started treating me differently. It's like, and like, so did she. 
How so, many, well, at least in my growing up, not many people went to Scottsdale who wanted to work for Phoenix. Gotcha. So, yeah, so it was probably my fault for And that's, for uh, that's right before Rural Metro left and Scottsdale actually got their own municipal fire department. Yeah, yeah, right. Yeah. The, yep, yep, yep. Like right around that time. So um, I was supposed to start in 051, 100% transparency. I was out as the designated driver for a couple of my classmates uh, two days before the academy started. I had a couple drinks that night where they were shit-faced, but I honestly, I had a couple drinks. Uh, we got pulled over on the way home for like some, some stupid infraction, not like swerving like that. Like yeah. I, I, I turned a, I made a right into the outside lane instead of the inside lane. He pulled me over. Old motor cop trick. Yep. Yeah. Super dick. We told him the story. Didn't give a shit. He's like, you better call someone because you're not starting on Monday. So that's what I did. Um, I, I called and said, hey, here's 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 the deal. I came in on Monday. The two chiefs that that, that were there were amazing guys. It was um, Segabarth and uh, an Angle. Yeah, they slid a letter across the table to me that was my resignation, and they said, um, "The time that I had already been in the pre academy, I guess I started setting my reputation there." And they had said, "You have a very good reputation already, blah blah, blah whatever. You're going to sign this, and then you're going to retest, and you're going to come back next year." And I said, "Guys, I appreciate that offer. I obviously didn't know what I was getting. It's 100 percent my fault." Like you don't have to. Blow, I basically told him, you, like you don't have to blow smoke up my ass. It pissed Segabarth off. He, 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 he goes, "I'm not lying to you." He's like, "I want you to come back." And it. This is how I don't know him. I, I, I like I know a son who I who, who I think highly of. He's he said um, he said I'm not lying. Like I, we're not blowing smoke up your ass. And he had tears in his eyes when he was telling me this, which was very surprising to me. Mm-hmm. He said, "You're no different than any of." He goes, you just don't have any representation right now. He, 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 he goes, do you think that there's there's another guy on this fire department that hasn't had a couple of drinks and fucking drove a car? Because I only blew a .079, and it was a wow, .80 yeah. or something. Right. Um, yep. Yeah, so so uh, so he's like, come back. We're, we're, we're going to go through, and you'll do it again. Um, you know, and... Uh, they threw the whole thing out. Nothing ever happened. Like I didn't even get, end up getting. I got a ticket for the right lane thing, but they're like, I guess at the time they're like they did, they they wanted a slam dunk, and since I only had two drinks, so right. it got thrown out within a matter of six weeks. So Andy, that's when I met Andy. Like everybody thinks I've known Andy for a long time. That's when I met Andy because Andy said one of the greatest guys that I've known in the fire department as um, as far as taking care of the membership for sure. He's like keep in contact with me. So he was trying to get me back through in like oh five two or oh five three, and finally he just said, hey. They're gonna make you yeah, test, test again, right. again. So, um, so none, I, none of that, none of that story surprises me. Yeah. So, so I, I went back through, took the test, scored high again, um, got in there, and I knew something was up because that's when Mary was still around. Um, I was getting ready to go on my second round interview, and she goes, "Hey, when I run all your stuff, is it gonna be good?" Because you know how she is, right? Oh yeah, yeah. And I go, yeah. I go. What do you mean when you run all my stuff? She's like, "You know what I'm talking about." So I walked in there and same exact board I had from the year before, same exact guys. Wow. So, and they could, uh, whatever I was saying, they could, they're like, just can we get this fucking thing over with? Like, yeah, right. I think the deal was done and they just wanted to make sure that I was not a dumbass or whatever. So I did that. I, I went through with 061. Um, I ended up, that's how I met Kirk. Kirk Hover was my first booter captain, one of the greatest uh, uh, captains I've ever worked for. Um, we told the story on, on episode three about how he gained my trust by sticking up for me when I made a mistake. Oh, yeah. Um, I got to know Ohab and like all those guys and Mike Sneed, and that was a tremendous time. Then I went to, that was engine 42. Then I went to uh, ladder 20. 
so there I got treated like like one of the guys because um, I upgraded all their computers. Brian Root, Todd Kiesling, and Gary. Yeah, I was going to say it had to be Todd. And, uh, and uh, Gary Scott. So they treat me like one of the guys there. I, I, I upgraded all their PCs when I was there. I certified Brian Root and Mike Bruno, who's on Engine 20, and Nitrox because I was a, a technical dive instructor. We haven't even gotten into that. But right. um, I, I certified those guys in Nitrox, and then I went and um, – and my last station was Engine Three, so I was the only uh, um, recruit in my class to not do an ALS rotation. True that, huh? Yeah. So, so I remember uh, Kirk talking to Andy um, once because Andy called to check up on me. Like I- Andy's always had a kind of a watchful eye over me um, for. Through my whole career, I He's love really good to death. that way. Yeah, and I love Andy to death, and and I'll, I'll always respect that man, and and, and 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 he's done so much for me. Never given me anything, but he's but he's helped me along the way. And I think that's a common fallacy with Andy is 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 there's a lot of people think that he gives you things. That fucking guy doesn't give you anything. He give you the opportunity, but you have to work for it. Yeah, and uh, a few of us that have been uh, around him and very close to him know uh, just. To the degree he'll hold you accountable to for stuff. Absolutely, yeah, and and like and I'm okay with that. Um, but but he called him to check up on him, and and uh, you know they're laughing back and forth. You know how those two knuckleheads yeah. are, or whatever. Mm-hmm. So he hangs up. I'm like I'm speaking like, their own language. Exactly. Yeah, as they scratch their heads and armpits. <laughs> um, I was. And I said, who was that? And he's like, he said it was, he goes, that was Andy. He's checking up on you. I go, oh, yeah. I go, what do you say? He said that he's, he's going to get you on engine three. I'm like, how's he going to do that? Because uh, back then you had to do an ALS rotation, yeah, a ladder. And unwritten ALS. formula. Yeah. You, yeah. You got to see it all. Yep, for sure. Which is probably a good thing, right? Oh, so, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. He, and he said, he goes, hey, I'm going to get you. I'll. I'm going to get him on his last rotation. And I said, how are you going to do that? And he's like, that fucking like, retard's never going to be a medic. Yeah. <laughs> he goes, that retard's never going to be a medic. And six, 15 years later, 14 years later, yeah, I'm not a medic. Prophecy. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> so so then I went to Engine 3, which was which was a great time for me because big workout guy, fitness guy, stuff like that. And that's how um, I, I had been helping showing up on the weekends for the peer fitness program and training the new classes ever since I was um, – on um on uh engine three right. i'm sorry at, at at engine 14 i was actually doing it um when i was on uh yeah right after i got out of the academy i was doing it but we didn't talk about much about my my academy experience but it was a good experience there it was completely opposite of the military experience i have the military schools i've been to your instructors are they're bad motherfuckers like physical fitness wise and we do something we do it differently like we do it on seniority so and since i didn't ride or know anything and i didn't know what like taking a plug was or canvas or that shit so i show up the first day i'm thinking let's get it on because that's always what happens at, at, at every military school and i'm like seeing all these guys i'm like i don't think there's gonna be a lot of getting it on uh through this academy with these yeah. guys yeah they're using their brains and they're savvy more than they're using their fitness. Yes, for sure, one hundred percent. And uh, and I, I made some great lifelong friends in the academy. Mike Doran, Scott Hollingsworth. Um, Was Hilburn one of your leads? Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. I have a great story about Hilburn if 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 we have time to tell it. Um, it, I got piles of them. It was Mark Bransky, uh, who who's a guy in our class uh, on the Humat valve. Uh, to drain them, you have to hit, hit the valve to drain it. Well, the hydrant needs to be off when you do that, or else it shoots. Uh, how fast do you think it's coming out? 80 psi, 100 psi? Yeah, it's uh, our typical hydrants are between 60 and 100 psi, 
and anywhere between a thousand and fifteen hundred gallons a minute. <laughs> so, so Dennis Hilburn is an ex. Was he an ex Ranger? He was a Ranger, yeah. Ranger, hardcore Vietnam vet, like just hardcore guy. Like you're just he just not going to give you a lot ever. Like if you you could you could win a gold medal and be like you could have done better. Like kind of a guy, like 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 that kind of dude. Well, and he had this great fucking shaggy hair, like like oh, Mexican yeah. feather, like just the perfect hair. And he's holding the clipboard. Well, Mark Bransky went to bleed the valve while the hydrant was still on. And Dennis Hilburn was standing right in front of the hydrant. So it blasts him in the face. Like, and hit, knocks him to the ground. He, you know, backward somersault. Clipboard falls out of his hand. You know, like a big sheepdog. Like, they have this big hair. And then when they get wet, it's like this big. Well, that's what Hilburn looked like. So Bransky comes running up. He's like, oh, I'm so sorry. Uh, Gavin, Gavin. He's like, Bransky, get the fuck away from me before I kill you. But it was it was sweet justice for us because I remember when we went through the whole Tarver thing, he knew I was an ex-military guy. So through the whole Tarver drill, he was kicking me uh. in the side. <laughs> I'd fall down. I'd, stand, I, I, I'd get back to my knees, he'd kick me again. So I'm like, eh, what comes around goes around, motherfucker. But that was that was a funny time. But that was a good experience. Um, I, just, I had to adapt kind of what I was used to to kind of deal with that. Um, I, um, I got pulled up in the RTO's office one time cause they said I wasn't giving enough effort. Dorian Jackson actually was the one that came in there. He's like, what the fuck are you doing up there? I'm like, I, I don't know Dorian. Like he was a mentor. Yeah. For yeah. there. And he's like, pulled my foot. He's like, Hey, this guy took a 42 second plug this morning. I'm like, what's he doing up there? But they told me that I wasn't giving enough effort. Cause what happened was in week eight of, of, of hazmat week, I had a buddy, a good friend of mine since childhood was running a half marathon. It's like his first one's like, hey, run with me. I'm like, damn, I don't know the cat. I didn't ran. I don't that shit. I'm like, I'm like, well, let me look at my schedule. And it was hazmat week, like that week. Yep. So I was like, yeah, dude, it'll be an easy week. I'm like, we're in the classroom most of the day. I'm like, fuck it. I'll, I'll run it with you. Well, we're all going to go bowling or some of us are going to go bowling. We'll turn it into the whole class. I, don't, I didn't realize it turned into the whole class. So all the fucking RTOs are there on Saturday night bowling. And I'm the only one that's not there because I was getting up at three or four to go run this half marathon. So that didn't go over well. So I think that's where that came from, like me not giving enough effort or whatever. But um, it was, it was in whatever. But yeah, it, it was what it was. Drove on past there. Um, and then, uh, and then, like I said, I, I did those rotations and then spent a lot of time downtown and uh, met a lot of good guys and I ended up leading that fitness program for a while. And that's where I got to meet you. And that the whole fire department experience has been, um, real good for me. Um, it's been, it's taught me a lot. It showed me a lot. Um, I, as you know, I'd never wanted to be a captain. Like I passed on the first one and I was thinking about passing on the second one too. I'm, I'm glad I'm did. I'm, I, I thank you for encouraging me to do it. Um, the whole time I've been a fireman, I didn't tell anyone in the Academy, but I worked a second job. It took $60,000 pay cut to, to you know, to, Right. To right. become a fireman. And I don't say that like poor me, but it's like that's what I chose to do. Yeah. But I had a wife and, and it was I actually had, the commitment you made. Yeah. Yeah. And I had bills and I had stuff to do. So I worked a second job as a consultant the whole time there. And I worked for Real Salado Community College through probation at like as a programmer. And then I'm like, I'll just, you know, so that's how Reef Builders got started. Excited. I was like, you left this because you hate it. Like you got you gotta stop doing this or whatever. But I was making thirty five bucks an hour part time, you know, working for the fire department. I still remember because you know how it's been a long time for you, but you know how it takes you months to kind of two or three months to adapt to the schedule. Yeah, what the hell do you do with your days off? Yeah, I yeah. remember being twenty one years old and like, what would I do with two days off in between? Yeah, I'm supposed to go to work. Yeah, yeah. I knew I made need to make money, but it took me uh, the sleep deprivation kind of fucked me a little bit. Mm. So I remember falling asleep in front of the PC at, at, 
like it real slow. Wow. I would literally come straight from shift. Yeah, right. And and put on slacks and a button down and go straight straight there. I didn't tell anybody at the time because you couldn't you yeah, couldn't work. Yeah, right. yeah. Like I like I was breaking a rule, but I had to pay my fucking bills. So that's just that's just how it was. And shortly after that, I started um, a contracting company. The first company was uh, Southwest Granite. Me and Donnie Bone, great great friend of mine today, uh, with the goal of you know becoming a general contractor and. Now I'm sitting here at Reef Builders, and we're now, uh, you know, pretty successful. I would say with nine, ten employees, and um, you know, our our employees get um, we have a, a matching um, IRA program with them. We're working on getting medical insurance. Um, I'm I'm a business guy. I'm a numbers guy. I do well at it. Um, so that's that's kind of where I'm at now. I guess along the way too, I I I, I, I squeeze in a master's between uh, becoming a captain and 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 you know where we're sitting today. I've always just been a motivated guy. I love to learn from whether it be hands on or 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 uh, or from a book or stuff like that. I love to coach and mentor. And I think you know, Chris, you're starting to see some of that now. And um, I every day, like I wake up um, and I'm pretty motivated to become better whether it be physically um, or, or like mentally. And, and there's, and I, it's no bullshit. Most days I have to pinch myself um, because from where I started and where I'm at now, it's, I don't, I, I have to think like, I just, there's so many guys I didn't even talk about. Like William Crouch is a four-star general. He's a mentor of mine that we built a couple houses for. Like the people I got to touch you, Bill Crouch, um, Dave Lamont, Jim Weed, my dad, my mom, um, my friends, Tim Russo, my business partner, guys like that. Like, they've shaped me who I am today. And I've been lucky enough. Um, Ken Brookings, you know, there was just on. I've had people touch me all along the way, not Catholic priests, but regular people. Right, right. <laughs> um, John Hinton, not too long yeah, ago. Yeah, yeah, John Hinton, too. Um, but uh, but it, it just, like, it just keeps getting better if I can. Like and I'm grateful and thankful and I and I and I have gratitude for for like the things that I have and I don't know if I've ever shared my uh, manifesto um, with you, but but you know but I wrote it like a long time ago. Those things that I that are in there, like I believe that shit and I believe in and in, in, in making the world a better place, um, whether it be the fire department because I do. I tell guys this all the time in the fire department. Like I said in my fucking interview, that I would leave it better than I found it. I think I've done that already. I think I've done more than probably some 30-year guys have done to make it a better place, but I'm not done with it yet, you know what I mean? And I'm not done making this place better. And, like, um, it it helps me to be around positive people like you and like you and, and stuff like that. I, I, I have a tendency to shut those people out that aren't positive in my life. Like, you know, um, I just... It's not that I dislike those people. It's not that I, I, I harbor any Ill, Ill feelings towards them. They just serve no purpose in me. Yeah, you don't have time for it. Yeah, you got other things to do. And they don't make like they don't make the world better. Like like those, I, I, you can't get to those people. You can't talk to them. You can't educate them. But you know, you have to try and make 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 things better. And kind of to this podcast, like thank God Tim puts up with every fucking harebrained idea that I have. Like I have the greatest business partner in the world. Like truly, like a brother. I mean, I love him to death. Like none of this is would ever be. Um, ever be um, attainable without him and his support and, and even his wife and his family and stuff like that. I'm grateful to have him. But when I came up with this idea, like, I'm like, we're going we're gonna to start a podcast. He's like, what? Like, we're, I'm like, there's, there's words and there's stories and there's things out there that people need to tell so they can make the world a better place, people a better place or make themselves better. Well, not, but by the way, I got to feel, he feel like, uh, 
he needs to be in here too. He will be. Yeah, uh, him and Donnie will be will be on on like on an episode. I have a long list of people that we haven't even got That's to. That's awesome. Yeah, yeah, that I've talked to. But and then it's weird how things kind of happen organically a lot. Like when I had you and you and you and Hover on, like I didn't, I never thought about doing a tactical hour. And then I had you guys on. I'm like. Well, this motherfucker needs his own hour. Let's like, give it a go. Yeah, for yeah, sure. I, I certainly didn't have that thought. <laughs> no, yeah, no. no I'm, did I'm, I'm really yeah. glad you did, but I'm, I didn't. Yeah, it, it was weird for us. Like, I kind of had to talk you into it a little bit, right? True, true yeah. that, yeah. I think you were a little like, what? I, and it's funny, too, because now that I think about it, I think you might have had a John Hinton syndrome where you're like, why am I relevant? Why do people want to hear this? Yeah. Yeah, I, 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 maybe, maybe. I just, you don't... Uh, yeah, you don't look at yourself in that manner, I guess. That uh, that um, that you're that what you're actually talking about, or what you're what you're trying to teach people, uh, truly does is impacting. It's it's honestly it's hard to to measure because that's not what I'm doing it for to be able to measure the success. I'm doing it to be able to see. Uh, I get to see it when I see or uh, hear about the work that guys are doing out in the field. Right, and uh, that's that's my reward. It's not necessarily when I'm in necessarily in front of somebody right so. yeah i'm trying to think about other things in my life that, that are important for people to hear and i think there probably is a couple more that i should probably talk about like um christmas is now that we're at christmas is like right around the corner christmas has never been a big deal for me i've, I've always said it's for the kids um my dad never knew this um but um growing up i never had christmas gifts on christmas morning when i was with my mom we just didn't have the money never had a tree never had anything like that like just never gifts i remember right going out afterwards and just lying to people like, Oh yeah, I got this and I got that, but I got dick. Like I didn't yeah. get anything. And I, I, I never, I never got that. Um, on my dad's when you know, when I spent Christmas with him, different story. Like, you know, we weren't rich over there either, but you know, there's always a Christmas tree and stuff like that. Sure. And I think that shaped me too. And that's one of the things I want to work on. Cause I'm not a Christmas person. Um, you know, when I have kids in, 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 stuff like that, like, like I'm, like I'm looking forward to that, but like waking up Christmas morning and like that stuff, that, that's, that's another thing that always motivated me to, to be better. My mom does all the time. Like, like I said, I've been taking care of my mom for a long time financially, not well, and you know, you know, family support and stuff like that too. And, and part of the reason why I've always had to have a second job now that I'm a captain, like I could probably just live off of the captain's pay, but like I, I bought my mom a condo 10 years ago, you know, I, like I paid for the more, the, the, the mortgage there, the electricity, like now my sister's now we moved her somewhere else. And, and now my sister's taking that burden, which thank you, Andrea for doing that. Love you to death for doing that. It, it, it's given me some breathing room, but we still pay for her groceries and stuff like that. She lives off social security. And as you know, that's not a shit yeah. ton of money. No, you're not going to really live. Yeah. yeah. So, and, and that's not like, like, um, I tell people all the time, I'm like, 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 why do you do it? Like, they, they, like they asked me like, why do you take care of your mom like that? I'm like, cause God damn it. She took care of me. Right. Like, like, like she put food on the table for me. She worked fucking her ass off. She did. Everything was about me for so long. It's like, if I can't fucking do this, then how big of a piece of shit am, am I? And I think I don't, I've never, I've never shared that story to the world. There's a couple guys on the fire department that actually know the extent that I go to for that because I think oftentimes we're viewed as these rich guys that have a shit ton of money. It's like, no, we're not doing bad, but nobody's rich. And 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 we have other things that we need to take care of. And and people don't know that that we write a check every month, you know, to you know, to the IRA stuff for these guys. Like that's profit we could be putting back like back back in our pocket. But we actually I don't know where where we get it from, but we give a fuck about our people. Like we care about making them better. We put expectations on them. If you don't have a fucking high school diploma, we're gonna make you get a GED. 
Um, that's always how I've been, and that's how how Tim's been, and and we'll do. Fuck, there was one of our guys had one of our subcontractors had no fucking teeth, so we're building a big old monster house, you know, for a dentist. I'm like, hey, is there something we can do for this guy? And I'm like, he has no money, so we all chipped in money. And we paid for his teeth. Like we're I've always been someone um, that wanted to make the world a better place. I I don't know a ton. I know some, but not a ton of contractors and people in the construction business and 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 especially the size of that you guys are and to the degree that you guys go to take care of your employees and and actually put expectations on them educationally whatever the next bar is mm-hmm. man, that's a big deal and how and and how you treat them and how you how you lead them and and you, you did talk about family you do treat them like family it's a pretty cool thing that uh um hell there's many fire fire departments there's many corporations that don't give a shit about their employees that much. Right, right. And that's where I think a lot of times where when I see poor leadership, whether it be in the military, pu- public, uh, like fire department or like whatever, it, it really chats my hide because um, the fire department side, uh, I've like I've talked about this very rarely with anybody, but the fire department, you're, you don't have to generate revenue or profit to keep the doors open. You simply have to take care of that mission, right? And how does that mission get accomplished? It, it, that mission gets accomplished by the people on the streets that are doing the work. So if you, it, so for me, uh, my goal, like, like as a captain, is to make sure that I do that. Like l- one of the hardest transitions for me was leading that fitness program for so long and not being a captain. And then when I became a captain, guys thought I, I, I became something else. And I was actually questioned myself, I'm like, did I change? But as I got out and roved and got feedback from other people that weren't part of that fitness program, I'm like, dude, you're one of the greatest captains I've ever worked for. I'm like, stop, dude. You must have had some poor fucking captains. <laughs> really, really bad examples of captains. So um, it's not hard, but it takes work. I have, I was, I was telling um, somebody the other day, I think I was telling Tim the other day, like as a captain, um, as a firefighter and as 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 an engineer, because I was an engineer for five years too, or, or whatnot, you can pretty much run your own fucking program and not really have to worry about anybody else. But I feel like as yeah, a, without a doubt, yeah, I, I I feel like as a captain, my time has been it's there's no more of that like that those days are over. It's about what your crew needs and wants and all that other stuff. And I can't imagine being a chief. Um, for guys like me or like guys like you, like now your now your circle has, gr- has grown even larger, right? So you have more people to care about, so it becomes less about you. Um, and I don't see if you're doing it right, right. And I don't see a lot of great examples of that in my circle. Of, of I think I think our uh, leaders can do better in all arenas, corporate America, military, in that when they make that jump to realize it has little to do with you and more about the people doing the work. I think like like to hear guys like John and those guys talk about like I'm like all right there are people out there that have that philosophy and get it and that's kind of where where my leadership comes from whether it be here or or like like anywhere else it's it's supporting my people that are in the field my techs that are in the field here stuff like that and and yeah are, are, sometimes are things comfortable um, when I have a conversation with someone about expectations and what they're doing and how they're doing it it's not but but it's making them better and like. And but they always appreciate it at the end, because I think I always I always I do it in in a manner that's respectful, that's caring for them. Um, and I one of the first questions I always ask our guys is, do you have the resources to do what you're doing? Which is to, to typically the tools. Do you know how to do this? Do you have the knowledge slash training? And have I given? Have I set you up for it? 
And when they say, yeah, they're like, it's on me, then, then I'm okay with that. So, yeah, well, and I know the degree of risks that you've taken for some of your employees. Yeah. And sometimes that's paid off and sometimes that hasn't, but, uh, uh, the cool part is that you're not, it hasn't deterred you from taking those risks. That's a big deal. Yeah. Sometimes I think, uh, it question, it makes you question yourself. Like, 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 am I doing the right thing? Like, like I've been told sometimes like you don't need to help everybody. I'm like, no, I don't need to help everybody. There are people I need to help. No, you, I, I think you're doing a good job of making the choices of who you're going to help. Well, I appreciate that. I mean, if we're not like, if we weren't put on this earth to do good, what the fuck were we put on this earth to do? And I'm not saying that from a religious point of view or anything yeah, like that, yeah. but like, but like we we're not, it's not about fucking us. Right. It's about making the people for me around us that are in our circle, better, stronger, more resourceful, whatever. Yeah. And it's funny. Uh, we we've talked about this in other, uh, another, uh, podcast, but in order to actually be pretty good at that, you have to invest in yourself a little bit, right? Yeah. You, you, you've done some things that have, have invested in, uh, in your knowledge, skills, abilities, you have some life experience that you're, you're taking stock of. And then now you're applying that to other people. That's a, that, that's, uh, um, yeah, it's always an interesting deal is you, you do have to be a little bit selfish in order to be able to take care of other people. Yeah, you do. And, and, uh, it's never fun. Um, I mean, it's fun, but sometimes it's not fun, but, um, most, most of the, most of the things in my life, um, as I've gone through them, they haven't, they, I've really learned something from, haven't been the funnest. Um, oh yeah. But but afterwards, like like you've learned so much about yourself and what you do. And ha- I mean, there's times like people are afraid to fail or whatever. I'm not afraid to fail. I'm afraid to not try. Like like if if I don't try to do it, then I feel like I haven't showed up and given enough that day. Like I have to try. I have to try for you. I have to try for Chris. I have to ha- try for guys on the truck or like guys that feel like have to try for those guys. If I don't show up and make a fucking attempt, then that that is bad on me. And even if it blows up in my face because I'm taking a try and the other side, whoever that is, don't does not appreciate how I do things, I'm okay with that. Much like Hinton, I think much like you, I'm okay to die on the fucking sword. Like I, I, I'm okay. And like all those cliches of I'd rather fucking, you know, die on my feet than live on my knees. Like that shit is driven home through, um, my family, uh, wrestling, the military, like all, like, like all the guys that I look up to, I will never fucking back down from a fight ever. If it's the right fucking cause, like, like, like you come into my house, you try and hurt my, my family, I'm going to try and kill you. You try and come into our country, try and take something away from us, I'm going to fight for that. Like like, like you come into our station and you try and do something wrong to us, which isn't anything that we've broken a policy or like a rule for, I'm going to stick up for that. Like I'm 100% and I'm going to do it professionally and I'm going to do it respectfully and I'm going to do it within the rules, but I'm not going to let people, um, their personal uh, agendas or vendettas in any arena corporate, military, or like whatever, like I'm not going to ever let that do. And that's how I'm built. That's how my father's built. That's how my family's built. Like we're like, if, if, if you come looking for a fight, we're the wrong guys to kind of pick that fight with. And that sounds kind of harsh, but, I, but, but it's not like, I'm just protecting. Hey man, the world's harsh. Yeah. I'm just protecting my family and whatever that family is like at that time. But if you have good intentions, whether they be to correct someone um, or, you know, to give positive feedback and yeah, develop them. Yeah. I'm always going to welcome that. But if, but if you come at any of my, I've done it with, um, with our employees, I, I told them all like, this was a long time ago. Some lady was treating our crews like we were second class citizens. I told them, I said, pack our shit. We're out of here. And she said, where are you going? I said, we're leaving. 
I'm like, if I, I said, we'll come back tomorrow if you can figure out how to act and treat people like human beings. And she just, <laughs> her face shot. I said, I said, I'm not mad. I'm just telling you, we will not, we will not be, uh, you will not speak to my guys like they're not equal to you. And she had a, she had a hard time with that. But she did apologize and we did come back. Oh, that's good. So, yeah. so, so that's good. I, I'm not afraid to punch a shark in the nose for sure. <laughs> How are we on time? I feel like I've talked way too much. One, okay. No, is there, is there anything else I can No, I, I think, um, um, yeah, you actually hit on the big parts of the stuff that I was hoping you okay. were going to talk about today. And, uh, and there's, a, there's a big connection between your passion uh, and drive in the fire service, your passion and drive in your private, uh, your private and professional life you know, outside of the fire department. And, and I think it was important for people to hear where that came from. Because uh, not many people do what you do, and not many people are successful in, to the degree that you're successful. So, I think I think there's others out there, and I think there's others you and I talk to regularly that are actually similar type of people. And for whatever reason, they're not taking, they're not, they're not grabbing a hold of everything that they can grab a hold of. And I I hope this is a, a little bit motivating to them. That's because I think that's a. Uh, I like the talent of people that we get to hang out with and the people that we've chosen to hang out with super or cool, have just right? shown up. Yeah. And, uh, um, yeah. And I, I want to, I, I guess now at this point, this whole thing has motivated me to, uh, to spur that out of them. And that's where, um, my friend, uh, and, and I, I don't know if I should read this or not, but I don't know. I'll read it. Who gives a fuck? Yeah. If, read it. If someone's pissed off because someone said something nice to me, um, then I'll be okay with that. How about if we say fuck them? Yeah, fuck those people. Because we're not afraid to say that, right? Yeah, as my uh, good friend David Sanchez would say, fuck that guy. <laughs> I thought that was the B-shift credo. <laughs> so um, lately, I've, I've really tried um, to... Um, put myself out there further. I, part of, part of this podcast has been that, like, I think I told you, but I was, fuck, I think I told you too. I was, I was driving, um, to pajama wrestling that morning. The first day, the first episode was going to drop. And I'm like, what the fuck am I doing? Like for a guy that doesn't like to put himself out there, you're about to go way the fuck out there. So, and it's weird kind of in our circles right now, just how out there this is. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. We're actually talking out loud that other people can listen uh, cause, uh, um, it's funny. The feedback we get, uh, is yeah. How uncomfortable other people are with it. And, and trust me, I'm, I wasn't comfortable doing it. I'm still getting, becoming actually comfortable doing it. But, uh, yeah, we get interesting feedback sometimes. I gotta tell you now that we're almost a couple hours in, like it's fucking uncomfortable. Like I'm like, I'm going back to like relive some stories. I'm getting emotional about some of this shit or whatever. Yeah. I'm like, I'm like, fuck man. Like this is intense. Like like sweating in here, I think, or something, but I don't know. But, um, so yeah, so I, I've, I've made a bigger attempt to put myself out there, um, for criticism and for encouragement on, on stuff. So there's a group of people that I run. Um, if anyone doesn't know what a Ragnar is, they're stupid 200 mile races. You run with a team from one point to the other. I've run, I think we count. I run 11 of them. Like I would agree. That's stupid. It's completely stupid. So, <laughs> but, but, but the reason why I run them is because of the group of people that I get to run with. One's Kirk, my ex-military buddy. Um, I actually retired from him and then they brought me back. Fuckers. Um, Christine Robinson, who is, yeah, um, I get to see pictures of him. Oh yeah. 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 Um, Chris, she's a, 
uh, beat cancer, multiple time Iron Woman, just straight up badass. Runs uh, um, a like the largest shelter, uh, animal shelter in in Vegas. She was successful. She was a city manager in in Vegas, or she was something really high and just walked away from it. Did that, and then um, 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 Andrea. Alison, I'm gonna fuck that last name up. She's Italian, like another service-driven person, works with vets through Vegas and like all kinds of stuff like that, and a couple other core people. Um, so I, I run them because I'm with those, those people, and I told her uh, what I had done on the last one because I just we just ran Nashville's from um, Chattanooga to to, to to Nashville about a month and a half ago or something like that. So I told her about the podcast, and she's like, and she read the description. She's like, I had no fucking idea that you have done all that stuff. She's like, you don't share anything. I'm like, I share all kinds of stuff. She's like, you do, but you don't. So, um, so, so with her encouragement, actually Mark Barbie, if you're listening to this one fucker, you kind of encouraged me a little bit too. Cause, um, you said some stuff on your podcast that made me think about, maybe I start doing it more. And then I've, I've been doing a little bit all like along the way, but I'm stepping up my game now. And that's why we're like, like, like we're doing this now. Cause like, not like, now, now's. Oh yeah, I don't feel time. like I have a choice anymore. I'll be, I'll be really honest. Yeah, you do. I right. No, Weird, yeah, we right. just kind of gotta go. Well, and 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 do you feel obligated? Um, um, now even more because of the feedback that guys are telling guys and girls are are, are given to you about this is needed and this is like we need to hear this. Like, I feel I'm like fuck. Now we can't. If we wanted to stop, I don't think we even can stop. Yeah, I'm a little bit surprised at the appreciative nature of all the feedback, and. Yeah, I hadn't quantified it necessarily in, in feeling an obligation. It's uh, I enjoyed it, and uh, but I do think it's becoming. Uh, yeah, we we. Yeah, it's. I, I guess it's a little bit our responsibility. Yeah, and and for me, it goes beyond the public safety realm. Like business people are like, dude, listen to the fucking podcast. Like, holy shit! Like, yeah, I'm going through the same stuff right now, and this is why, and blah blah blah. It's like. And Jen, that you know, my house manager, like you can't get her to fucking smile. She's she loved every single one of them, and she would not tell me that these were good just to be nice. I I I can tell you that. So, um, like I said, it's it, it's been crazy. We didn't when I talked to you, uh, Chris. Like I didn't. We were like, I don't know where in the fuck this thing's gonna go. But like these guys, like they've been encouraging for me too because they're like, dude, this one's not like any other that we. Yeah. Do so I, I'll like I'll give a little behind the the, the curtain here. So. Every single time we do do one of these, there's a silent guy in the corner who's actually making this sound way better than we actually <laughs> legitimately sound, and and uh, and he gets to sit in here and we actually get the feedback from him and read his body language and and all that other stuff. So it's actually really cool to have him in here. So uh, yeah, yeah, Chris, forty volt media needs some media shit done, videos, commercials, whatever, website shit, forty volt media. So. Uh, just a good dude too, and that's that's actually been one of my philosophies in business. Is I don't deal with anyone that, that, that isn't a good dude. I got zero fucking tolerance for integrity or people that are shitty. Like so, like 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 all the guys. Like even it's funny too because all of our our clients when we're building houses or like renovating them, they're like everybody that comes in here is a nice person. I'm like, you bet your ass there. I'm the only asshole in this company. <laughs> <laughs> well, and uh, so that's what. Uh, um uh, you, come on, you forgot Ken her name Bergen, already? No, Ken oh, Brogan's yeah. is saying, right? Right. About him, That's the way he runs his business. Yeah, for and sure. That's, that's a great way to run a business. It is. It is for sure. So Christine Robinson, like I said, she's, she, she she runs that shelter. When when she sent me this uh, last week or like the week before something like this, I was like, okay, I've, I've, I don't have a duty to do it, but I should be doing this 
kind of thing. So she th- she thought she sent me this text like months ago, and she disconnects from social social media often. Um, and in like her line of work, she uh, it's sad. It can be sad. Like a lot of animals die, and they see Yo. shitty stuff, stuff like that. So so she has to disconnect. So so she goes into this long thing about how she thought she sent something weird in the text because she didn't hear back from me and stuff like that or, or like whatever. Right, and and with her, you'll send her a text today, and I might not hear for for, for like a week and a half. It means absolutely nothing for the fact that she's disconnecting from right. you know from 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 all the shit. So. Uh, so I reached out to her, I think, last week. Oh, I, I sent you the picture of that fucking dog. Did you see the picture of the dog with, with the goggles? Oh, yeah, at the bike race. Yeah, yeah. From, from, from from the race. I was like, oh, my God, like I got to send this to Chris. Um, there's this dog out there. It's right here, dude. I'll put it on when they drop it. How cool is that fucking dog? So I sent her that picture, and, 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 um, and she said, oh, where are you at, Chris? Let's see. Um... She said, uh, this is crazy. I'm in San Diego for work and was also running in the gym yesterday thinking about the very same thing, about like how we run with these amazing people. Um, only Columbus would run on a treadmill in San Diego so she doesn't get lost. Chris gets lost. She's gotten lost on multiple multiple Ragnar legs. She's fucking the worst like navigator ever. And I call her Columbus because she's like now the yeah, drunk, right. drunken Spaniard just ran into America <laughs> and didn't really fucking know where he's going. So uh, so that's what I call her. Um, and, and she said, you guys are pretty much the only reason I do these goofy events because, hey, what fun is running in daylight? At a time that's convenient, while you're well rested, well rested and dressed comfortably for the weather conditions, I will choose cold, sweaty, and sleep deprived every time if it means I get to be with my people. That's she's talking about us. Um, you must have ESP, as I was planning to text you today as well. I wanted to say thank you, thank you for sharing your thoughtful, bright, helpful, inspiring, kind, disciplined, generous, committed, charming. As she shows a smiley face, throwing up. Um, <laughs> determined and fucking hilarious self with others. In this case, with us specifically, me. She is one of like the most awesome human beings. Like, like I know, and Kirk, who's on that team too. He, he's the kind of guy that makes you want to be a better man. Like, I'm kind of a turd. Like, this guy's such a good dude. Um, there are lots of very good people in this world with so much to give, but none of it matters if they aren't willing or able to share and let others experience those gifts. And sadly, for what I suspect are a wide variety of reasons. Many don't, but you do. I'm not sure you really have a choice. So I was like, like, oh, shit. All right, okay. Um, Good for her. Yeah, those adjectives, which I choose very intentionally, uh, just ooze out of you. It's in your DNA. Um, Side note, I feel like ooze should definitely be on the list of words to avoid at all costs. So we have a list of words in the Ragnar van we don't don't speak of. Moist is one of them. Ooze is another. Yeah, there's so, so, so I guess ooze is now. Those are fair words. Yeah. (laughs) So I guess ooze has now made the list of can't say it on a Ragnar. Um, And because you are willing and able to share these gifts, uh, your impact on the lives of others is immeasurable. Um, and, And that matters. And it matters a lot. As I know you understand, the nature of my work is inherently emotionally difficult and often profoundly sad. For this very reason, I have found that an appropriate level of disconnect is necessary is necessary simply to, re- to remain mentally healthy and able to be effective. My challenge has been to remain aware and diligent and not let that disconnectedness become my default setting and creep into other areas of my life where it is not effective, desired, nor who I am. Being able to really connect with a handful of humans who are completely removed from my work life has been really important to me and brings me great joy. Thank you for being one of those people. You are good for my soul, Mr. Meon. 
So um, when when someone like that who I look up to so much sends me a message like that, that that further says you don't have any fucking choice. Like you need to do this. Like if, if she's high level, like very high level, uh, thinking wise, like like um, like like in that realm, intelligence, mental toughness, beat cancer multiple times. Like I want that high level of a person. If she's telling me that, then I'm like. Dear, what are you doing, stupid? Like, stop, stop hiding behind the curtain. Get out there, get in front. You're gonna take a beating. People, are, some people are gonna hate you for it. Um, and just like I told Clint, Clint and I had a very honest conversation through text um, when his came out. And I, and I, my exact words to him because I fucking now I'm like, God, it's coming back to me. Um, my words to him were, "Those that will love you will love you more, and those who hate you will hate you more." And I said. But you don't give a fuck. Yeah, about the who cares? Yeah, yeah, right. That's awesome for that, and that's how. That's truly how how I feel. Like today is for me. Like like I'm, I still can't believe I'm fucking doing this. But it's like, hey, like yeah, you you have an obligation to people because you're helping people. And if and if you're helping people, then don't be a fucking pussy. Put yourself out there and be willing to get smashed. Well, inter- interestingly enough, how much have we taken from other people? Because we like to read. Yeah, we like to hear other people's stories. We True. like to. Uh, uh, yeah, we, we use all that information in our lives. So, uh, um, I don't know, maybe, maybe it is giving it, uh, you know, just participating in the conversation more rather than just taking in the conversation. Yeah. I got, I got to tell you, it's super nice to be, to be not, to just take it in and not have to put yourself. Oh, that ain't no lie. That ain't no lie, buddy. <laughs> you can just take all those nuggets and stuff like that. Cause, um, I tell people like all, like all, the time that I'm just a well-adapted introvert. Like, I don't know if you remember this, but you know how all of us fitness guys would, would, would stand outside like the academy was waiting for training to start. And, and I, you know, like that left a bang book when I read that, like, it was just like, I'm like, this is fucking how I live my life all the time or whatever. So, um, I, when I watched you get out of your car and I watched you do the big arc around the group and into the, into the bays and then into your officer or whatnot. And he sent me a text and he's like, Hey dude, I'm sorry. Like I, I didn't, I just couldn't go through the other day or stuff like that. I'm like, dude, you don't have to fucking tell me that. Cause I'm a guy that if I, if I know someone like I would, if I saw you like in the store, I'd say what's up. But, um, if I just kind of know you or whatever, I'm going to go seven aisles over to, to fucking not, to not talk to you. Yeah, just mind my own business. Yeah. I, yeah. And that's it. And, uh, it's so, so when Chris did that, I'm like, I, I, I can totally appreciate that. And, and Margie, um, uh, who had me read that book quiet that I was telling you about, um, that, that, uh, that book kind of rang true to me. It actually helped Cody too. Cause, cause he said, no, now I can understand my kids and, and, and stuff like that. So it's not inherently, um, um, easy for me to, to do it. It's easy for me to listen to others and to be able to facilitate conversations. And I think I'm good at facilitating conversations and drawing things out of people. Um, uh, but for me to do it, it's not, it, it, it's, it, it's never easy. I can, I'm a, I, I can, I can do it, but it's, it's never comfortable. Well, I can tell you this. I didn't have to work real hard today. No. Fuck. Yeah. That's good. So yeah, once it starts going, it's like, you're just thrown up into the mic. And I guess that's what, that's kind of what Clint does too. Cause Clint, Clint and I, we, we share, uh, similar personalities. He has a little more West side in him than, than I do for sure. Um, but, uh, but, uh, but yeah, so I, I, I get that for sure. But well, I hope this has helped. Um, anyone, I mean, there's anything else you want to poke or prod me about? No, man. Let thanks thanks for letting me court? participate in it. Well, I, I, like I said, I hope, hope people enjoyed it. Um, if you have any feedback for me or, or the podcast, um, you guys know how to get a hold of us, but we are on, uh, 
All right, Chris, I'm going to get this right without having to think about it. Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Pocket. Um, I already fucked it up. Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Pocket Cast, and we missing one? And what? Oh, yeah, we were on Google Play, too. Yeah, so you can download it there, listen to it there. Google, it's a little, it's a little company. I've never heard not, of it. Not a lot of yeah. people know about it. Yeah, they're not. Yeah, yeah, it's a weird name. Right. Yeah, I, I never remembered it. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, and uh, leave us a review on any of those mediums. Uh, on Instagram, we're at Make the Difference Podcast. Uh, same thing on Facebook. Um, I think I'm going to have us redo the website, dude, and I'll, I'll pay you guys to do it or whatever, but I think we're just going to give give ourselves a regular website. Um and we'll figure that out. But uh, for now, we're on Libsyn.MakeTheDifference.com, something like that. Yeah, make the difference slash Libsyn. So, uh, but anyway, we're taking feedback. So if you need, if you've got something to say, you got ideas, you want, you want to hear about something, uh, please let us know. Let either one of us know. Absolutely, Chris. You can get Chris at Red CP Stew. Yep, on Instagram. Um, and like you can even get me at b at reefbuilt.com, the shortest email ever. So if 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 you want to send me an email, it's b at reefbuilt.com. Uh, we're going to continue to do the tactical hours, um, and we're going to continue to do the regular podcast stuff. We're just going to do it all. We don't know uh, we don't know where this thing's going, um, but I think today, dude, you told me we hit nine hundred downloads for this month. Yeah. So yeah, wow. Yeah. I don't know what the fuck that means, but it sounds like a lot. Apparently, my mom's downloaded like 875 of them. Those are actually unique. So, yeah. so, uh-huh. so all right. the kinfolk. Oh, really? From the, She's got a different phone. Yeah, a lot of different phones. <laughs> so all maybe maybe she called all of your kinfolk from the south or something. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> <So> maybe. <laughs> I'm sure that tree, <laughs> that family tree, is long and disconnected. Uh, yeah. Oh, without a doubt. <laughs> from there, well, that's it, guys. We'll uh, we'll talk to you soon. Thanks for listening, and now you know way too much about me. Mm-hmm.